Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, once again to my podcast, 24's podcast. Took a very, very short break after a week filled with casting Lamar Jackson, football games, current MVP of the league, one of my favorite players in the game today, casted some of his best games last season, had, had a couple that I wanted to watch and share with you, but all that's over. Today... We're going to be talking about some of the new information coming out of the NFL in the last couple of days that I really, not even in the last couple of days, really, for the last week that I really didn't want to talk about and didn't want to address until right now. And then I got this alert on my phone late last night. I got the alert. One of my guys just got paid. And I saw, and I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't trust the source. I don't trust who wrote this article. I'm not. I'm just going to dismiss this until some somebody else comes out with it. And then somebody else came out with it. And then more people picked it up. And then everybody picked it up. My guy got paid. He got paid a lot of money. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about the things that I wanted to cover last week but didn't. And much, 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 much more right here, ladies and gentlemen, on 24's Podcast. Everybody's heard that song, right? Everybody has heard Your Love by the Outfield. I don't remember the first time I heard it. It's just a song that's become a part of pop culture. So, you know, you've heard it probably in a movie or a TV show or on the radio. But I did remember, like, vividly, like, listening to this song during a Patriots game because the Patriot fans, they started to sing it when, um, when uh, like, during a timeout or whatever, and it was against the Baltimore Ravens, and the Patriot fans were like, I don't want to lose your love tonight. And I, I, I was like, I, got, I love that song. I love it. By the way, this is going to be recorded at, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, so it's pretty hot outside, so you're going to hear fans and dehumidifiers. I got to work on my Boston accent. What is it? De- dehumidifier? No, I'm not even going to do it anymore. Sorry. But uh, it's hot outside. I got the AC. I got the vans rolling, so you're going to hear a lot of for the next hour to two hours or three hours, potentially. I don't know how long this is going to be, but you're going to hear fans. So I apologize for the noise pollution already. Let's talk about the big boy. Let's talk about one of my guys. Patrick Mahomes getting paid. I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago where I went down quarterbacks that are my guys. Guys that I would go to war for. That I would defend until, you know, new information came out about him. More specifically, if they started to play badly, I'm like, then those are my guys. But for the most part, they're still my guys. Brady, Breeze, Wilson, Prescott, Watson, Jackson, and finally the guy that got paid, Patrick Mahomes. 
got paid yesterday. I saw an article from a journalist that I just did not uh, did not trust at all, and I was like, well, he kind of has clickbait and stuff like that, so I'll just ignore it. And then more information came out, and then I was like, okay, all right, how much? And then they showed me how much, and then I was like, oh, that makes sense. Ten-year deal, over $450 million. Uh, the total value of the contract, I think, is somewhere between $503, $507 million. So he's getting paid half a billion in the next 10 years, potentially. Of course, incentives and things of that nature come into play. And, um, I think past the fourth or fifth year, the Chiefs can cut him without any without like any, um, any cap restriction, so they can just cut him and not have anything to, anything to worry about with Patrick Mahomes when it comes to cap. I think he's getting paid literally what Russell Wilson is going to get paid like in the next four years over the entirety of that contract. No, 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 no. Let me rephrase what I just said. In guaranteed money, he's getting paid $140 million. <clears throat> I think that's the total value of Russell Wilson's current contract, which is what I tried to say. So he's going to get $140 million off the bat. Like that, like that's just what's going to happen. If he retires today, he will be $140-something million richer Whereas Russell Wilson may not get the full value of that contract, of his $144 million contract. So what does all this contract news mean for Patrick Mahomes? Well, if you play in the AFC West, if you play in the AFC in general, um, your worst nightmare has now been reconfirmed. Patrick Mahomes will be a chief for a very, very, very long time. Potentially towards the end of his career. How old is Patrick Mahomes? He's, what, like 24? He's almost, apparently he won the MVP and the Super Bowl before he was 25. So he's either 24 or 25. He's 24. He's going to be 25 September 17th when the season, I think, restarts. I think so. <clears throat> so Patrick Mahomes, he got the bag. He's going to be tied to the Kansas City Chiefs for the next 12 years. I think until he's like, what, 36? 35, something, somewhere around there. And he's going to make a whole bunch of money doing it. And do you want to know what? He deserves it. He deserves every single penny that, that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to pay him this year. 1,000% deserves it. It's inarguable. He's the greatest football player currently playing. He's the best at his position. His position costs the most. So of, course, so, of course, excuse me, he deserves the most money. So, if you play in the AFC West, East, North, South, you're in trouble. But more specifically, what does this mean if you're a Kansas City Chief fan? Well, it means a lot of great stuff for you. I look at his contract. I look at the cap hit per year. The cap hit per year. You're not his his average annual salary per year. Obviously, uh, I think the total value, not the total value, but the total value of the new contract is 450 million. When you add on that 450 million to maybe not 450 million, I think it's like 470 something, somewhere close to 480. And then you add on like his current contract, the rookie deal. They picked up his fifth year option. Like it all values like 
500 million dollars but the new deal is worth like 470 something million if he gets the incentives which he probably won't so we can cut it down to 450 that amount of money averages obviously 10 years in the nfl means that you're going to be paid 45 million dollars annually if you're patrick mahomes that's how they do those numbers that's how they calculate those numbers So, looking at his cap hit per year, if you're a Kansas City fan, if you're a Chief fan, you like it a lot. Five million this year, next year, in 2021, 24 million, 2022, 31 million, 2023, 42 million, 2024, 39 million, 2025, 41, 2026, 41, 2027 is the highest he's going to get. 59 million, almost 60 million, and then on and on and on, and it's like 44, 44, 50, 52, and then that's the end of the contract. For Mahomes, it looks like a great deal, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, wow, like we would really, really like this deal if we were, you know, if 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 we're can not Kansas, if we're Patrick Mahomes. I think it's the highest not the highest, but the most valuable contract in sports right now on any team, like in across any sport. He's getting paid almost half a billion dollars. Technically, he is. That's the value of the contract. Again, incentives may not necessarily be a part of it, but it looks like when he gets out of the league, he's going to have like half a billion dollars, more likely than not. Because then he's, like, let's be honest, he's probably going to play until he's close to 40. So... He'll probably be half a billionaire by the time that he ends uh, his football career. <clears throat> but his contract is very, very favorable for the Kansas City Chiefs because by the time that you're going to have to pay him $42 billion in 2023, the cap, the salary cap, that is, will have increased again and that 42 million dollars that he's going to be paid in 2023 will be manageable it'll be like oh yeah you know you like that deal because other quarterbacks are going to get paid a similar amount or more than Patrick Mahomes and you're like well wow like his contract is pretty favorable by the by I heard like Adam Schefter report on Twitter that apparently you know it's a big deal and things of that nature and apparently um it could be a percentage base. It could be a percentage based cap. Like even after he had reported that it was four hundred million dollars total, and I was like, "Well, if it's a percentage base, there it wouldn't be a flat rate. It wouldn't be like you would say, oh, it's four hundred million dollars um, for for the new deal.' It's like, no, that's incorrect. Incorrect. How'd they be able to calculate a percentage of the cap a couple of years down the road? It's like, no, that's that's not it." More specifically, the value of the cap a couple of years down the road. But his contract is very, very favorable. Because the cap is going to expand. You're going to get more money. And then on top of that, you have him down for 10 years. He can't go back to the drawing board or to the negotiating table and ask for more money. Because technically he is contractually obligated to play for the Kansas City Chiefs for the next 10 years. So guess what? Your best player, your most important player, the most important player in all the sports, is now locked up for the next 10 years, and now you're screwed um, if you're every other person or every other team in this 
conference in the AFC because now Patrick Mahomes has a 10-year contract and it's very, very favorable because right now he's only taking up 2.4% of the cap this year. You can go out and you can sign Chris Jones if you want to. You can go out and sign other players if you want to. Like his contract is very, very favorable for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I talked about it last year with Dak Prescott. I said, I said this about Dak and I was like, listen, man, if you sign Dak Prescott early, if you sign him early, then that means that you can prorate his contract, you can expand the amount of money that he's going to get, not the amount, excuse me, but the years that, that he's going to get the money. And because Dak was a fourth-round draft pick, his contract value is very, very low. It was like, I think in total, Dak has made like $3 million from the league. On average, I think he was making like $700,000 annually or something like that. <clears throat> so what you could do if you're the Cowboys, you could say, okay, we're going to we're going to give Dak this new fat contract and we're going to expand that contract. So let's say it's a four-year deal. We're going to add some of that money from that four-year deal into his rookie contract and we're going to have him be a bigger cap hit in his rookie deal, in his rookie year, or not his rookie deal, but in his fourth year, which was last year. So that way we don't have to pay more down the road contract-wise. Dallas could have done that. Did they do that? Absolutely not. Because Dallas wanted to, wanted to do it their way. They wanted to be ridiculous and look at them now. They are still struggling to pay Dak Prescott. Mahomes is locked up for the next 10 years. And because he's locked up for the next 10 years, and because they did it so quickly, because they did it on his rookie deal, they get to expand the amount of money that he's going to get from 10 years to now 12 years. Because remember, he still had to play out this year and next year. They weighed his fifth-year option. They picked it up. So now they get two more years of Patrick Mahomes. They get to have him be on the, on the team for the next two years without him actually going into that new 10-year deal, that new 10-year contract. And he's going to be... Probably his contract is worth more than any other player's contract in league history, four hundred million, and he one hundred percent deserves it. Now, how does this apply to Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson? Well, pretty much what this new deal means is, and Jeff Cavanaugh talked about it, and somebody on MSN—that's literally what it is, MSN. They talked about it, and they pretty much said it doesn't really affect those two players that much. In the sense of, Dak is still going to probably be negotiating for $35 million. Deshaun Watson probably is going to be negotiating for something a little bit more than $35 million. I don't think Mahomes' deal really affects those two players or even Lamar Jackson because apparently people were talking about Lamar as well but it doesn't really affect those players really at all they're going because you know Patrick Mahomes is going to get the most because he's the best like you could debate Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is not the best quarterback in the league he's close but he's not and by close I mean he's like second but like play wise it's it's Mahomes <clears throat> But when I look at Dak and Deshaun, Deshaun apparently wants to sign a three-year deal. Dak wants to sign a four-year deal. 
If they were negotiating for a 10-year deal, they would not get the same value when it comes to the contract that Patrick Mahomes would get. They would get something different. Especially if, it, if Deshaun, if reports are, are true about Deshaun wanting a three-year deal instead of a five-year or four-year deal, it's like, yeah, I, w- I would want a two-year deal or a one-year deal if I was Deshaun. I, w- I would not want to play for the Houston Texans. But the reality is those two guys that are going to get paid and that should get paid in the next year or so, this deal will not affect them. They don't want you know, this big ticket, $400 million, they want a lot of money quickly. So that way they can go back to the drawing board and renegotiate with their respective teams for more money. That's kind of the detriment of the Mahomes deal for Mahomes, where essentially all all of, not all, but his team can control his ability to go anywhere for the next 10 years. They can cut him, they can keep him, doesn't matter. They have full control over his career for the next 10 years. Deshaun and Dak are like, we don't want the Texans to have control of our careers for the next 10 years. We don't want the Cowboys to have our control, have the control over our careers for the next 10 years. That's why Dak doesn't want a five-year deal. That's why he's been so adamant about the five-year deal, because he's like, no, not going to do it. Don't want Jerry to have control over my career. Deshaun really should not want Bill O'Brien to have control over his career for the next 10 years, because Bill O'Brien may not be the head coach, if I'm honest with you, for the next two years. If the Houston Texans wake up, he really should not be the GM either. I think Dak and Deshaun will get paid, but not not Mahomes' money. And I think I've been pretty consistent on saying that. I said, like, I've, I thought that, because everybody was like, Patrick Mahomes is going to get $40 million. You can't pay Dak Prescott $40 million because that's Patrick Mahomes' money. And I was like, Patrick Mahomes is not getting $40 million. He's getting $45 million. I think I've been really, really consistent on saying that Dak Prescott it's not getting $40 million because it's been reported consistently that he does not want $40 million. So I think the same thing goes with Deshaun. I think Deshaun will get more money than Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, and that's fine because he deserves it because the Houston Texans offensively suck. Um, It's literally only Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, and they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. So guess what? You got a lot of money now to pay DeAndre, not DeAndre, but Deshaun Watson. So for me, I would focus, if I was the Houston Texans, paying Deshaun Watson whatever he wants, giving into his demands, getting a running back, getting a wide receiver, getting teams, not teams, but people for him because you guys suck offensively. And by you guys suck, I mean they don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. Same thing goes with Dallas. If I was Dallas, I would, I would have already have gotten this deal done last year. Again, I've been podcasting for over a year. I've been saying it for almost a year. I've said, hey, if you get Dak's deal done this year, that was last year, you get to expand this, this four-year deal onto his rookie contract, and you can be able to spread out the money so that way instead of paying him for four years you pay him for five years and you get to spread out the money making it a little bit more manageable for your team of course did they do that no are they gonna pay for it yeah and i thought i was like they're gonna have to pay more instead of paying him 30 million 33 34 million last year now they're gonna have to pay him 35 million for four years that's what they were negotiating. They probably were probably thinking to themselves, well, we can get Dak on $30 million easily, right? We'll pay Zeke. We'll pay Jalen. We'll pay Leo Collins. And then we'll say, Dak, you got you to gotta come with us and 
and uh, and and meet us halfway. You know, some of the pie is now missing, right? And so now, you look at what happened with the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't handle their business with Dak. You look at what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs. They handled their business with with Mahomes. And now Houston could easily handle their business with Deshaun Watson. It's all a numbers game, you know. And sometimes the numbers that you have to go for are numbers that you may not like. But hindsight, when the apparently you know the draft class filled with as much quarterback talent as Dan Marino and John Elway, as as soon as those guys like Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen and Josh, uh, not Josh Rosen because he's a backup. Sam Darnold and Lamar Jackson, especially Al Freaky, when those guys start going to the negotiating table and they start asking for money, do you want to know what the prices are probably going to be? Upwards of 30 plus million dollars annually. And they really, especially with Lamar, he could really negotiate for more. He could, he could be a $40 million quarterback. And I wonder how strongly are people going to push back and say, you can't pay Baker $40 million. He's never won a Super Bowl. It's like the same arguments that people use for Dak Prescott. You can't pay him the most money. He's never done this. And it's like, come on. Let's, like Jimmy Garoppolo was the highest paid quarterback at one point in time. And he was a backup to Tom Brady for the majority of his career. I don't want to hear it. All right. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Never mind. I don't know if you could hear that. I just wanted to, just I was about to mute myself. So let me take a swig of water first. Hold on. All right. <clears throat> so all of these players getting paid within the next couple of of years pretty much means that the NFL, like the players, are acting like there there won't be a salary cap reduction. And it's, it's true. The NFL, if at anything, will probably expand because of COVID-19. Because a lot of people are going to be watching football this year. A lot of people are going to be waiting. And ex- I'm, I'm excited for football this year. I can't wait to see what happens with Patrick Mahomes. Week one, ironically enough, against his, uh, his, his draft counterpart. I don't, know what, I don't know how to call it. But um, he's going to face off against the Houston Texans week one as they raise the banner maybe. I don't know if that's still a thing. I don't know if they're still planning on doing it. But if they are going to raise the banner in Kansas City, um, it will be then. It will be during the Houston Texans. I think that's when they'll also get their Super Bowl rings. If they haven't already gotten their Super Bowl rings, I don't really know. But we'll see. Now, speaking of Dak Prescott getting paid and all that good stuff, Dak Prescott the deadline to get him signed officially, this isn't unofficial, this is official. You have got to get Dak Prescott signed Wednesday of next week. Wednesday of next week. You have got to get him signed. There is no more time. There is no more negotiating. And remember what I've been saying for months. Deadlines make deals. It's not, you know, the incentives. It's not specifically for Jerry. Jerry operates like he's in 1995 and players don't have Google. So he's like, I'll just take my time and the players will crack and da-da-da-da-da-da. Dak, I think, signed the franchise tag in good faith. I think that he said, hey, I'm going to be a cowboy. I want to be a cowboy. I've been here. I've been wanting to be a cowboy. You know, 
Let's let's try and get this thing situated. I think that's why he signed it. I like he pretty he gave up all of his negotiating. He gave up all of his leverage. He has to report to the Dallas Cowboys training camp um, late July. There's no question about that. He has to. He is obligate. He is contractually obligated. It's not like Zeke, where Zeke can um, where Zeke held out or whatever. It's like no, he is contractually obligated. He has to show up. Technically, Zeke had to show up as well, but he didn't. So July 15th, hard deadline. Could you see something going into the 14th and like late into the night on Tuesday of next week, pretty much a week from today? Oh yeah, you definitely could. It literally could be up to the wire. And to be honest with you, I have no idea why the Dallas Cowboys are so like rigid about this where they're like yeah you know let's just like I understand why Dak is because he does he wants to go back and negotiate but if I'm the Dallas Cowboys and if I just like go through my history and see just how badly the team played when they didn't have a franchise quarterback or or quarterback who's a franchise guy I would have been like I would have signed Dak last year I would have signed him this year I would have signed I would have given him 35 I would have given him whatever he wanted but the fact that Dallas, for some weird reason, especially the Joneses, it's very, very weird to me to see how, like, how much ego Jerry has. And he just, I don't know who, who, who Jerry thinks he's dealing with. It's like, dude, this is your quarterback. This is the most important position in all of football. This is your most important player on your football team. Everybody says that it's Zeke. But it's like, I, I, as far as I know, we haven't won a Super Bowl with Ezekiel Elliott. We only have one playoff victory with Zeke. We, only ha- we, all, we have two losses with Zeke being the forefront of our offense, being the forefront of our team. It's like, are you sure he's the most important player? Or are you sure it's that dude who wears number four? Just making sure. Okay, so Dak, the contract deal, I would not expect to get done this week. I would expect it to get done next week. And I've been continuously saying that I think that Dak Prescott's contract deal will be done by next week. Meaning that I think it's going to be done on July 15th. I still think it's going to get done. I don't have any new information. Jerry, when he gets stretched, when he gets put under pressure, he cracks. Like, let's just be honest. When Zeke, when Zeke almost missed the season and, and Jerry had that re- really, really like smart and quirky remark where he's like, where somebody asked him about Zeke and he's like, Zeke who? Remember that? And then he went on and had an interview and he's like, um, and he's like, uh, you know, I have the right to joke around with Ezekiel Elliott and blah, blah, blah. Because Zeke's party apparently was annoyed by that. And he's like, that's ridiculous. Like, just give me the contract. So Jerry, once he gets pressed, once he gets stressed, he cracks, he folds. By the by, I find it really obnoxious that you know, just me personally, I find it really obnoxious that he hasn't come out a statement on anything, you know, going on in the world today, and yet every other week, I can find him in a freaking news conference on a radio show giving some dumbass quote about nothing. I get it, he's the GM and the owner of the Cowboys, but I'm really not interested in what Jerry Jones has to say, ever. Even though he's the GM and the owner, it's like, it's just nothing. It's like, oh my God. I really don't like Jerry Jones as an owner slash GM. Like, 
I'm I'm so sick. I'm so sick of Jerry. I'm so sick of the antics. It's just get the players signed, get guys in line. Don't have bad fucking coaches for ten years trying to trying to prove a point that you can win with anybody. It's like you tried to prove that with what's his name, Brian Switzer or Ryan Switzer. I don't know his name, Switzer, in like in the '90s when you fired Jimmy. And then you were like, yeah, let's have him. And he won you one Super Bowl. And then he got fired, I think, a year or two after the Super Bowl victory. And then you never did anything for the last 20 years. Instead of potentially having one of the greatest sports dynasty of all time, you wanted to do things your way. It's like, get over yourself. Just get some of this stuff done. Finish your homework on time so that way you don't have to freaking run into class try to write your paper sloppily and then as everyone else is just walking in the front door and class is about to start you're still writing your freaking paper and then you rush to the front of the classroom to freaking turn it in you know that kid that doesn't do his homework it's like get it done on time and you don't have to worry about it jerry if you had gotten it done literally a year ago you could have signed probably byron jones if you had gotten it done two years ago you probably could have signed Robert Quinn and Byron Jones, or you could have gone Byron Jones, Jadavian Clowney, Byron Jones, uh, Everson Griffin, Byron Jones, Jamal Adams. You could have traded for one of those. You could have traded for him and signed him and been like, "We're fine," because Dak is Dak is under contract for the next four years. We are fine. Did he do that? No. It's obnoxious to me that it's gone on for almost a year technically over a year because he tried to start negotiating with the Cowboys I think April of last year so it's like a year and three months almost a year and a half now it's ridiculous that they're still trying to get a contract done it's like dude you're not winning this fight this is this is like Mike Tyson versus a child it's like you're not winning ever or not a child but like a fat guy a fat, unathletic, obese, drunk guy. It's like, imagine if somebody was like, you know, walked up, especially to Mike Tyson now. Did you see how, like, Mike Tyson has a six-pack now? Like, you walk up to 50-year-old Mike Tyson talking some, talking some mess, he will lay you flat on the ground with your face down, butt up, and he will walk away. And you'll look like a jackass on the side of the street. Jerry, get it done. I'm sick and tired of talking about it. I'm set, like, like, I'm sick and tired of people in general talking about it because they always are like Dallas doesn't want Dak Prescott Dak Prescott isn't very good and blah 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 it's like dude like literally it's it's weird months are what it took for Russell Wilson to get his deal done Carson Wentz Jared Goff and then now Patrick Mahomes like he just started to negotiate with his contract in April did you hear anything about Mahomes past April negotiating for his contract did you hear anything? Because I didn't. Like, I heard that they were negotiating, and that's it. And then they got it done. Jerry has to make a spectacle of it. It's just, get the fucking deal done. I'm so sick and tired of having to talk about Dak's contract. It's the dumbest thing I've ever had to talk about for the last couple of years. It's, it's, get it, get it freaking done. It's obnoxious. Oh, my God. So, moving off of the Dak Prescott contract. <clears throat> Let's talk about something. Let's talk about another quarterback in this league. Let's talk about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. 
Why am I talking about Jalen Hurts today? Well, Jalen Hurts was reportedly practicing and training with Deshaun Jackson. Throwing some footballs to, to D-Jack. Throwing some footballs. Like, wow. Cannot believe Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Hurts are training. Isn't that funny? You know, Carson Wentz is training and running around with, I don't know who. I don't know who Carson Wentz is throwing footballs with. But isn't it ironic that Carson Wentz isn't training with his number one wide receiver yet? The backup quarterback slash Taysom Hill guy that's going to be running the football and throwing the football and all of that mess. He's throwing to Carson Wentz's number one wide receiver. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that interesting? At least it is to me. I think the thing with Carson Wentz, with Jalen Hurts, with these guys, I think the thing to keep in mind is that Carson Wentz is very replaceable. Some people don't like saying that. Some people don't believe that. I I don't really care. <laughs> I'm like, I, don't, I don't care. Because the reality is, the reality is, is that Carson Wentz is on the chopping block. They cannot afford to have another playoff run where Carson Wentz is 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 injured for a numerous amount of reasons. Now, having a concussion isn't really his fault. I'm not the type of dude that's going to be like, well, you know, you had a concussion, it's your fault or whatever. But everybody says that, like, not everybody, but people who want to defend Carson Wentz to a fault, they always say that he's not injury prone because he played 16 games without getting an injury. And that's it. That means that he's injury prone. Meanwhile, I have literally years going all the way back to, to college about his inability to stay healthy and on the football field. Like, I think it's ridiculous to say that he's not injury prone when literally everything in his career so far has told you that he is incredibly injury prone. Do people care? No. More specifically, do the people, do the people who defend him care? No, they do not. The reality is he could easily be replaced by Jalen Hurts this year if he gets hurt. And... The bigger picture, the most important thing that I want you to remember is that Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts specific, maybe not Carson Wentz, but Jalen Hurts specifically could come in and he could win football games. They did the exact same thing with Nick Foles, where Nick Foles just came in and he wasn't a um, a relief player. He wasn't the type of guy that's going to come in and be like, oh yeah, you know, we'll just we'll just go in and we'll win football games and things of that nature. He wasn't a relief dude. He he came in. And they won with Nick Foles. Same thing could happen easily. Easily. With Jalen Hurts. Let's listen to this guy. He says, why Carson Wentz... This is from Lord Bronson. He's this Philadelphia Eagles YouTuber. Hold on, let me... Take a swig of my water first. We'll listen to this for like five seconds. Maybe not five seconds, but for a little bit. And we'll see if it's ridiculous or not. If it's ridiculous, I'll just turn it off. But I kind of want to give you this perspective 
and I just pulled this video up, I haven't listened to this at all, but I probably have a feeling that what he's going to say is very, very easy to dispute and um, very, very incorrect. But I just want to give you this perspective of the narrative around Carson Wentz. Why Carson Wentz is better than Lamar Jackson, clearly, by Lord Bronson. Let's see what he's got to say about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, yo? Make sure you check me out tonight for NFC East Roundtable with Louis. Sorry, let me turn it down just a little bit. That's not me, like, inserting sound effects. That's actually him. T. Law Nation, myself, and the Bad Dog. Nine o'clock Eastern time is going down on Bad Dog's channel, man. Make sure you be there or be square. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about why Carson Wentz the best in the division. We're going to talk about why the Eagles about to win the division. And then we could get around to talking about how they think that they team is going to do fighting for them last couple spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want y'all to see something real quick. When I come out the house, I don't know if you can see this. Wait, can you see that? No, I don't know. Yeah, right there. It's a little bird nest right there. You see where those spikes are? It's a bird nest right there. And they be bugging, man. These little birds be bugging, man. I literally, I don't know if it's them that's doing it, but it's the mom bird, man. She. I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. Okay, get, get, get to the point. It was. I'm going to read it for you first, and then we're going to see who we talking about. What came in the mail? Okay, uh, fast forward even more. Is he actually not going to talk about this? Why is he taking forever? I thought my intros for, were long for a podcast. This dude had like a 20-something second intro to his video. And I'm like, dude, like I don't take this long to introduce myself in my podcast to get it started. You know, come on. Game. Lamar Jackson couldn't have done that eight games in a row. Here we go. A storm coming. You hear the wind blowing. One 300 passing yard game. One. Oh, wait, let me, let me rewind just a little bit. But me being a Birds fan, why would I remove them? I come up here and clean up after the Birds every day. Just like I come out here and defend Carson Wentz every day. I just checked the mailbox and something came in the goddamn mail. Something came in the mail. My neighbors probably think I'm crazy, but who cares? Something came in the mail, and I'm going to tell you exactly what it was. I'm going to read it for you first, and then we're going to see who we talking about. What came in the mail? Address to LB. Three zero touchdown games. One, two. Had a top five pass defense. Under 20 completions in the regular season. Ten times. That's more than half of the season. Under 20 completions. Ten times. Eight of them came in a row. Eight times in a row. Threw for under 20 completions. They, they don't respect you for your arm. But we're going to talk about who I'm talking about now. One 300 passing yard game. A storm coming. A storm coming. You hear the wind blowing. One 300 passing yard game. One. Under, un, un, under 200 yards multiple times. Under 200 yards multiple times. Daniel Jones got more completions on the season than this quarterback we about to talk about. I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. Now listen, when I said Lamar Jackson, when I said Lamar Jackson ain't better than Carson Wentz, I meant it. Lamar Jackson ain't better than Carson Wentz, nor is Lamar Jackson more valuable to his team than Carson Wentz. Listen, Carson Wentz couldn't have, listen, Lamar Jackson could not have won 
those last six games or whatever Carson Wentz had to win down the stretch with throwing 11, 10, 15, 17 completions in a game. Lamar Jackson couldn't have done that eight games in a row and still made the playoffs with the wide receiver core and the running back core and the defense that Carson Wentz had. Lamar Jackson could not have done that. He couldn't have done it. Carson Wentz never played with a thousand yard rusher. Lamar did that last year. Hollywood Brown had 500, receive, 500 uh, receiving yards. Carson Wentz ain't have a dude on Hollywood Brown level last year. Come on. What are we really talking about here? We're talking about a dude who's exceptional at running the football. Exceptional at running the football. Anytime you got a quarterback with more 100-yard rushing games than 300 passing yard games, come on, bro. Wait, look, come on. If you do a little research, you ain't got to hear from me. So that's the Philly fan perception. Right, that is the perception of a lot of people who t and we're done. We're not listening to him anymore. <clears throat> That's the Philly fan perception about Carson Wentz. He is a godsend to the people. He's he's fantastic. He's Wentz in a lifetime. He's Wentzylvania. He's a great football player. Things of that nature. And I was listening actually to what he was referencing in the beginning of the video. The uh, the Law Nation. Uh, the it was an NFC East roundtable. It was terrible. <laughs> It, it was it was terrible, man. It was it was terrible because of the the opinions of it. I was like, ugh, man. Like, I I respect people's ability to have opinions, but I can also just refute your opinions and not agree with them and just be like, no, I'm gonna shut things down. So and then he brought up the exact same argument again in that like in that freaking roundtable discussion, and I was like, oh my god, that's so terrible. So he brings up a lot of cases, right? He brings up a lot of things. He says, first and foremost, Lamar Jackson didn't have uh, didn't have more than one 300-yard passing game. Lamar Jackson had multiple games where he didn't throw for more than 20 completions. How many games? How many? What, wait, 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 what did he say at the beginning? Where he said that Lamar didn't have like. I wish I, I should have fast forwarded it. I'll fast forward through it now. Under 200 yards multiple times. Under 200 yards multiple times. Daniel Jones got more completions on the season than... 200 yards multiple times. What, did, what else did he say? Under, under 200 yards multiple times. Hold on. One 300 passing yards. Under 20 completions in a regular season. 10 times. That's more than half a season. So, what, what was it? 200 completions. Or no, no, no. Under 20 completions 10 times. Right? Yeah, that looks about right. But what's his point? I don't, I don't understand that. How many 300-yard passing games does Wentz have? One, two, three, four, five. Five. That's it. He has five. Let's look at how many 300-yard passing games Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott had. And Tom Brady, just for reference. I'm a stat guy. You know, I like, like there's this um, obnoxious phrase in statistics where... Um, where it's like stats don't lie, but liars will use statistics. Or statistics don't lie, but liars will use statistics. There's that obnoxious phrase. It's true. It's like, he's lying. He's lying, obviously. But I like to have, um, I don't like to have echo chambers. I don't like to be able to say, well, you know, if I look at one thing, then um, I, I'll look at one piece of statistic or one, like, one page of statistics and that's it. I like to look at a lot of different things. You know, oh my God, please don't tell me my internet is shot. I cannot actually do this podcast if my internet is shot. 
Please don't tell me my internet is shot. Hold on. Dax 2000. I'm getting a bad gateway error on the site that I'm using to, like, look at Dax stats. Yeah, I'm just going to look up Dax stats on ESPN. So I'm like, please don't tell me that I that I can't look up Dax numbers. I'll just look it up on ESPN. Same thing happened with Brady. I'll just look at Brady's numbers on ESPN, and we'll just go from there. Please tell me my Holmes' numbers aren't glitched. Uh, Excuse me. Apparently not. So, Mahomes had one, two, three, and this is 300 yards or more in the regular season. Mahomes had one, two, three, four, five in the first five weeks of the season, six, seven, seven games, and he didn't play for the entirety of the season. Probably could have had somewhere close to 10. Let's see Brady. Keep in mind, Brady had horrifyingly bad receivers last season. Let's see what Brady's numbers were. And he threw for 4,000 yards. Let's see how many yards he had last year. Per game, of course. Let's see. So, and, and this is 300-yard games for Tom Brady. And again, he was throwing with a bunch of... Oh, wait. What is... Sorry for that. Again, ESPN played like... Let me, let me actually mute my computer audio. ESPN started to play off something... They always do this, which is obnoxious, but going back to how many 300-yard games Brady had, he had one, two, three, four, and I think it's that's it. Five. Five. And again, he's throwing with the exact same weapons that Carson Wentz has. Practice squad players. Let's see about Dak Prescott. Game log. Dak had one... God, they're, they're fucking replaying something again. I didn't ask you to play anything. Dak had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. The exact same amount as Patrick Mahomes. And, and before everybody starts throwing in, Dak had padded numbers. He had padded stats, which he, he literally, okay, he, he had two games, the Bills and the, and the Bears games, which I'll give you. His numbers were inflated, but every other game besides that, he had the exact same. He had great numbers, or not great numbers, but those were legitimate games. The long and the short of it is, Carson Wentz is normal. He's not even as good as Dak Prescott. Some people are going to say, well, what about weapons, things of that nature? We can play this game all day long with certain quarterbacks, because I can look in Dak's past with 2000. You know what? Let's go back to 2018. Let's actually, you know what? Let's play an experiment. I don't know his numbers from 2018. Let's take a gander. Keep in mind, Dak had way worse weapons in 2018 than he had in 2019. So, 300-yard games, one, two. And that's it. <laughs> All right, so he wasn't as good in 2018, but uh, in 2019. But yes, Carson Wentz had more 300-yard games than Lamar Jackson. Why does that matter? It doesn't at all whatsoever. Why does Lamar Jackson having 20, um, 20, not 20, excuse me, but multiple games with 20 receptions or not 20 receptions, but like 20 completions or 20 throws. Why does that matter in the grand scheme of things when it comes to his ability to throw the football? Well, it doesn't. Why does him not having 300 yards matter? It doesn't. 
the issue with people picking and choosing stats to defend their guys and things of that nature is that you usually don't have the full circle. You don't have the full spectrum of what's going on within the league. And this is why when I first heard this guy speak, I was like, this dude doesn't get it. First and foremost, the reason why Lamar Jackson won the MVP last year over Carson Wentz was because he won way more football games. He won 13. He went 13 and... What was it? How many games? Lamar played in 13... Not, yeah, he played in 15 games. He sat out one game because it was the end of the season game, right? He won a lot more games and a lot fewer times. And a lot less time, excuse me. Second of all, he had way better numbers. So when we look at stats, and I'm a stat guy, I don't like to just not read out certain stats, right, to fit a narrative, right? And this guy, by the way, he just reads out one or two numbers or a couple of different numbers. He, he, he reads stats that favor his argument, which his argument is terrible to begin with. So he says, well, he has a bunch of games with under 300 yards, with under 20 um, completions and things of that nature. And does that matter? No, it doesn't. Because he wins a lot of football games. He's efficient with, his, with the football, completing 66% of his passes. And then on top of that, he also has 36 touchdowns through the air and six interceptions. Carson Wentz has 27 touchdowns, seven, or not seven, um, seven, yeah, seven interceptions. And he loses a lot more games. He's 9-7. and seven. The whole concept behind Lamar Jackson's play, and it just shows you how little people understand about football, the whole concept around Lamar Jackson's play and the Baltimore Ravens is that the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, they run the football. That is it. They don't throw it. They run it. He runs it. He doesn't throw it. The whole concept behind Greg Roman's offense is that Lamar can run the read option, which he ran in college. And if you actually watch Baltimore play, he doesn't have a lot of wide receivers. He says Hollywood Brown, but Hollywood Brown is not a pro bowler. He was not. How many yards did Hollywood have last season? I would bet he had 800. Off the top of the dome, 800 yards. I don't think he had 1,000. He didn't even have that. He had 584. What is he talking about again? How, how many yards... Let me just look up Ravens wide receivers numbers. Just look at stats here on ESPN. And again, don't know the numbers. I'm just gonna just gonna take a quick peek. Just gonna take a quick gander, right? So they had Hollywood, they had Hollywood, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin. They got a couple more guys. Oh my god. Hollywood doesn't have a page on ESPN, apparently. But we already know his numbers. Willie Sneed had 339 yards. Miles Boykin had 198 yards. He's their third guy. Then he also had tight ends. Nick Boyle. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews had the lion's share of his yards with 852. Again, what is he talking about? Lamar didn't have great weapons last season. I love how he's like, I, cause you can tell this guy doesn't watch actual like Baltimore Ravens football. And how I know all this is because, again, I just watched a whole bunch of Baltimore Ravens football. Should I continue forward? I, ironically, you know what? I say I like to be thorough, 
I like to get things over with. I like to, you know, just make sure that I don't miss anything. And things of that nature. Wait, wait, wait. Let me look up his 300-yard games. Oh! You know what? I knew I knew something was up with Wins' numbers. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? About Carson Wentz comparatively to Dak Prescott. I was like, oh, Carson Wentz had five, five 300-yard games. How many do you want to bet are against good competition? How many of them do you want to guess are when he pads his numbers? How many? Right? How many? Does Did he have 300 yards against the Packers? You know what? I'm so I'm so glad that I did this. I was like, oh, okay. You know, he has the exact same amount of yards that Dak Prescott had. Uh, or not yards, excuse me, but the exact same amount of 300-yard games as Dak and Brady had, right? But isn't it funny that people are like Dak, all, he only has 300 yards against bad competition? Let's take a peek at the 300-yard games that Carson Wentz had last season, and let's compare and contrast to one rain Dakota Prescott. God, I love myself so much. I, I, love, I love stats. You can't run away. You can't hide from numbers. You can't hide away from stats. So let's just look at his numbers. Let's take a gander at his stats. This was 2018. Why? No, no, no. This is 2019? This is 2018. Why are you showing me 2018 numbers? ESPN. Hold on. Let me mute. Okay, you're already muted because I was like, let me mute you again. Okay. Oh, no. This is 2000. This is 2019. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's take a look at Carson Wentz's numbers. So, first and foremost, his first game came against Washington. This is his first 300-yard game where they almost lost it, but they came back and won it uh, because Washington screwed it up. The second 300-yard game, he lost against Minnesota, 20-38. to We'll call that a game where he padded his numbers. Second game that, and by the way, if you're wondering, the first game against Dallas where he had, um, where he lost it 37-10, to he had 191 yards. So we'll just take off one 300-yard game because that doesn't count. Because I did the exact same thing with Dak. Because Dak had seven games where he had 300 yards. And then I discounted that. And I said, you know what? The Bears and the Bills game, he, he, he padded his numbers. Maybe not intentionally, but his numbers were inflated. Because he wasn't in the game at all. They were not in the game against Minnesota. So now he has less than average when it comes to games where you throw for 300 yards. Maybe not average, but less comparatively to to Brady, who had no weapons, by the way, no weapons whatsoever. Prescott and Mahomes, who I think also had four or seven. I can't remember which. I think Dak had seven and... Um, and I discounted two games because those are the games with the inflated numbers. So he has five. I think Mahomes has five. But he didn't play the entire season. Moving on. So Washington was the first game. Minnesota was the second game. That doesn't count. And then Miami. He lost it. 37 to 31. Doesn't count. Inflated numbers because you lost. So now he's already down to two games. Or three games. New York Giants, 23-17. to He won it against the Cowboys, 300 and 319 yards. You know what? We'll call that padded stats because 
he had 319 yards but only scored 17 points and only had one touchdown. Hmm. Isn't it funny how that works? So in total, he had one, two, three, four, five games, but we'll just discount the um, the Dallas game. We'll discount the uh, the Washington game, the first one. We'll discount the Minnesota game. So it all comes down to two. Again, Dak not only beat the New York Giants by a shit ton of points, 35 to 17, but he also had great numbers. The reason why I'm discounting one of his games, one of Carson Wentz's games, is because he didn't have the completion percentage, he didn't have the yards, he didn't have the touchdowns, he didn't have the same numbers that Dak had. When you beat the brakes off a team, when you have a lot of yards and you don't have any touchdowns, that means that you weren't very good. It means that you could run up and down the football field, but you couldn't score. He didn't have 300 yards against Washington or Miami or the, or the Saints, he had, three, he had 400 again against the Packers, and he 1,000% could have won it. It was 34 to 24. He 1,000% could have won it. He had 300 yards against Minnesota, same thing. He had 400 yards against Detroit, and they barely won that game, by the way, because the defense almost gave up 30 points. And I discounted the Bills and the Bears game, and Dak had 69% completion percentage. 300 and 303 yards, four touchdowns. Yes, sir, indeed. I will count that game. So that in total, once again, is one, two, three, four, five games for Dak Prescott that are over 300, that are legit. Carson Wentz only has two. This is an eight-minute video, and I spent, like, so much time on this. But we'll, we'll continue forward. Hold on. And keep in mind, he's not even talking about Dak Prescott. I have no idea how I brought Dak Prescott into this, but I found a way. He's talking about Lamar Jackson. Um, let me let me continue forward with this. Have I spent enough time? I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't. I want to be done. Yards. Carson Hold Wentz on. ain't have a dude on Hollywood Brown level last year. Hold on. Let's let's continue forward. 15, 17 completions in a game. Lamar Jackson couldn't have done that eight games in a row and still made the playoffs with the wide receiver core and a running back core and the defense that Carson Wentz had. Keep in mind, Carson Wentz's defense was actually pretty good, not in the secondary, of course, but his defense was good in the front seven, not in the front seven, but on the defensive line and at safety. Malcolm Jenkins was a good safety for them last year. What else? What else was he complaining about? Uh, I don't know. Lamar Jackson could not have done that. He couldn't have done Oh, yeah, the, 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 the final eight games of the season, I looked that up as well. So the final eight games of the season, there are 16 games in a season. He played up against Buffalo, Chicago. Those are two wins. New England, Seattle, and Miami were all three losses, and then he played up against the, the NFCs. So Lamar Jackson couldn't win against Buffalo, Chicago, lose to New England and Seattle and Miami and then beat the NFC East with a bunch of scrubs. Because I think he could. I think he could. Because A, Dallas doesn't like to tackle, weirdly enough, when it comes to the running game. And B, um, I, like his receivers, again, didn't have 1,000 yards. None of them did. I love how he quotes Hollywood Brown and Hollywood didn't even have 800 yards. And I was like, oh, Hollywood had 800. No, he didn't. Carson Wentz never played with a 1,000-yard rusher. Lamar did that last year. 
technically, Lamar also was a thousand-yard rusher. Was Mark Ingram a thousand? I think Mark Ingram was. Let me look up Mark Ingram's numbers. Yeah, he was. But, like, literally by 18 yards. What's his name? Miles Sanders. Wasn't he 800 yards? I love how people are like, you know what? Carson Wentz has never played with a thousand yard rusher in his entire career. But the two dudes that he played with, Jordan Howard, yeah, I mean, he had, yeah, they, they equate to a thousand yards and their rushes per carry weren't bad at all. Like Miles Sanders, I think, averaged the same amount of yards per carry that Ezekiel Elliott did, which was like 4.6. Zeke had, yeah, like Zeke averaged 4.5 yards per carry. Miles Sanders had 4.6, so he was slightly better than Zeke when it came to carrying the rock. And then Jordan Howard, I think, had 500 yards, right? Unless I'm tripping. Yeah, he had 500 yards, and his yards per carry were slightly worse than Zeke, which were 4.4. The thing that people don't want to admit about Carson Wentz's offense, comparatively to literally everybody else's offense, is that Carson Wentz is in a West Coast style of offense, meaning that they don't like to run the football that much. So this concept of, well, he didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher, yeah, because he's throwing it like 30, almost 40 times in some of these games. Like how many games? Hold on. He has thrown the football 40 times last season. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, almost 10 times. Your running game is going to suffer when you throw it almost 40 times a game. Hollywood Brown had 500, receive, 500 uh, receiving yards. Carson Wentz ain't have a dude on Hollywood Brown level last year. I love how he's like, five, Carson Wentz, Lamar had a dude with 500 yards. Like, 500 yards is bad. It's not good. That's not good to have 500 yards as a wide receiver. That's bad. That's really, really bad, especially if you're a number one. Like, Lamar didn't have a number one. He had Willie Sneed, Hollywood, and he also had Miles Boykin. Who was his number one? He had two tight ends. Technically, he had three. Mark Andrews, Miles Boykin. Not Miles Boykin, um, uh, Doyle and Hayden Hurst. Carson Wentz had two tight ends as well. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Come on. What are we really talking about here? What you talking We're about? We're talking about a dude who's exceptional at running the football. Exceptional at running the football. Anytime you got a quarterback with more 100-yard rushing games than 300 passing yard games, come on, bro. Wait, look, come on. If you do a little research, you ain't got to hear it from me. I love how people say, like, come on, bro, come on, bro, as if that's, like, an actual way to prove your point. Or they say facts. Like, facts. Like, oh, man, he's bringing facts. Like, you know, after they say something, they say, you know what, facts. It's like, no, that's not facts. You do any research whatsoever, that's not facts. You do any tape work. You look at his actual ability to play the sport. You realize that that is incorrect whatsoever. He's like, oh, you know, a guy that has more 100 because that is how their offense works. And then on top of that, he completely dismisses completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio, and um, just, you know, basic statistical facts. Or not facts, but information when it comes to the quarterback position. He just completely ignores that. I'll let it run for a little bit more. There's five minutes left of it, and I know I've been going on for an hour, and I think I've been talking about this specific video and concept for like 20 minutes. But again, I like to be thorough. Let's continue forward. 
You ain't got to hear from me. And this is the thing that really get me the most about it. Oh, since I'm black, I got to say Lamar Jackson and Sean Watson better than Carson Wentz. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. From based off what I've seen, first of all, football ain't got no color. That's the only color we talking about, green, green. Based upon what I've seen, Carson Wentz is better. It's better. Are the star, are all the stars had to be, first of all, Carson Wentz had a season like Lamar. Had a, he, he, had a, he had an MVP caliber season, got hurt. Only reason why he didn't get it. Had he got it and not, and not got hurt, y'all wouldn't have heard the end of it. I believe had he got it, because I, I know, listen, this is what I know about football. And Lamar is going through this learning curve. Had Carson Wentz stayed healthy, we wouldn't have a Lombardi. We would not have a Lombardi had Carson Wentz stayed healthy. That is like the only thing that I'll agree with. It's like, I don't, I don't think Carson Wentz would have won a Super Bowl for them. By the way, this guy says that the Eagle, and I watched again the podcast that he was on or the show that he was on. He said that Nick Foles is the best Philadelphia Eagle ever. I was like, no. <laughs> he won a Super Bowl. No, he's not. He would have won MVP and we would have just had an MVP quarterback. Wouldn't have had a Lombardi. Nick Foles already went through the learning curve, the same learning curve that Lamar is going through. Lamar going to have to understand that, hey, I got the... I have no idea what he's talking about right now. I, 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 I literally have no... I think he's talking about essentially quarterbacks learning how to play the position, which I guess is true, but I have no... Like, Nick Foles is not going through a learning curve. Like, and by the way, he thinks Nick Foles is like a Hall of Famer, but he doesn't have... He doesn't have the numbers to be a Hall of Famer, and that's the only reason why he's he's a Hall of Famer, or why he's not a Hall of Famer. It's not that Nick Foles isn't as good as he thinks he is. And I gotta win with my arm if I'm gonna bring a championship somewhere. What did Nick Foles have to do when he won the Super Bowl? Shot it out with Minnesota, number one ranked defense. Shot it out with Tom Brady, highest scoring Super Bowl of all. How is this Carson Wentz is better than Lamar huh, Jackson? And he also adds clearly into the title of the video. I'm like, this is not clear to me at all. You still have not brought up any good points, Lord Bronson. What a goat. Come on, bro. Lamar can't even outshoot Tannehill for a dub. Technically, the Patriots couldn't either. So, you know, just saying. And technically, you couldn't beat out Seattle, who, ran, who runs the football more than they throw it. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Come on. Get over yourself. Your team isn't as good as you think it is. Carson Wentz is not as good as you think he is. You serious, man? And people want to look at me like I'm crazy. Oh, 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 people want to look at me like I'm crazy. I'm the crazy one, apparently, for thinking Carson Wentz is better than Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Do Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson got this combination? Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear that. He thought that. <laughs> that Deshaun. Oh my God, you you really don't want to bring Deshaun Watson into this. Oh my God, I would. Let Let's continue forward. We'll address some of this after. I also have to pee. A lot of things are going on at one time. 4,000 passing yard season and a 33 touchdown season. I'll wait. They don't. Lamar got the 4,000 passing yard season, never threw for 30 touchdown passes. Wait, 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 hold on, no, 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 no. Let me, let me replay that. And Deshaun Watson. Do Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson got this combination, a 4,000 passing yard season and a 33 touchdown season. I'll wait. They don't. Lamar got the 4,000 passing yard season, never threw for 30 touchdown passes. Lamar Wait, what is he what is he trying to say? I, I really don't understand him right now. I know I sometimes stutter and I'm sometimes un like intelligible, so like you can't understand me, but I literally could not understand what he said. Hold on. You serious, man? And people want to look at me like I'm oh, 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 people want to look at me like I'm crazy. I'm the crazy one, apparently. 
for thinking Carson Wentz is better than Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Do Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson got this combination of 4,000 passing yard season and a 33 touchdown season? I'll wait. They don't. Lamar got the 4,000 passing yard season. Never. Wait, so I guess he's saying that Lamar Jackson and, um, and Deshaun Watson don't have the combination of and he should should have just said it like this that they don't have a 4000 yard touch uh, a 4000 yard season with 36 touchdowns which is true Lamar Jackson does not have a and it's I think the Carson Wentz MVP year I'm guessing Neither does Carson Wentz dude like I I'm taking a piss break I like hold on I I I got to fucking I got to pee I got to pee I'm going to come back. I am going to destroy this Eagle fan. I am going to destroy him after I come back. Because he doesn't even know what he's fucking talking about. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've been enjoying the podcast. I will be coming back in a couple of minutes. Going to destroy Lord Bronson. Ladies and gentlemen, 24's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, back again, once again, 24th podcast. Before I headed off for a quick bathroom break, we were discussing. Let me make sure the AC is properly tuned. Hold on. Turn off my dehumidifier. And now I'm going to turn on my AC as well. So let's go back to Lord Bronson's ridiculous remarks. Remarks. Saying, um... Carson Wentz, like, like, it's weird how and what he says, right? Where he has these, like, big claims, but he never backs them up with any actual information that's relevant. Like, he's like, you know what? Lamar Jackson does has a bunch of games 
where he only throws for 20 uh, for, for twenty completions or less than 20 c- completions or whatever. And it's like, but in a lot of these games where he throws for less than 20 completions, he wins against New England, against Cincinnati, against Houston, against the Rams, against uh, the 49ers. Jesus Christ. Against Buffalo, against the Jets, and against the Cle- uh, and against the Cleveland Browns, those were the final eight games where he didn't throw for more than twenty completions, and he won all of them. Maybe he shouldn't throw for more than twenty completions. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> that's so funny. It's like, oh man, he he didn't throw for twenty completions. It's like he won the last eight games of the seasons of the season when he didn't throw for more than twenty completions. <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious. So, before I headed off for my break, uh, I, I, I was listening to Lord Bronson talk about how Lamar Jackson is um, is terrible and how he's bad and blah, blah, blah. But um, uh, here here's here's the quote that I just was like, I got him. I got his ass. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. Here, here it is once again. I'm the crazy one, apparently, for thinking Carson Wentz is better than Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Through Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson got this combination of 4,000 passing yard season and a 33 touchdown season. I'll wait. They don't. Lamar got the 4,000 passing yard season, never threw for 30 touchdown passes. Lamar threw for 30 touchdown passes, never had a 4,000 passing yard season. He pro- there you go. I'm like, there you go. I'm like, you're not, you're not getting your stats right. I, I, I don't get my stats right all the time, but I'm like, you seem really, really like sure about yourself. And I'm like, like... Do I have to correct you on this again? Okay, all right. Probably never will. He says Lamar won't will never have a four thousand yard passing season. Watch him this season. Lamar got the four thousand passing yard season. Never threw for thirty touchdown passes. Lamar threw for thirty touchdown passes. Never had a four thousand passing yard season. He. I think he got the names confused. I do this sometimes as well, where um, I where he he meant to say that Deshaun has had. I think the 30 touchdown season, which he has not, once again, look up your numbers. Um, Deshaun has never had a 30 touchdown yard, uh, not a 30 touchdown yard, excuse me, but a 30 touchdown season. Lamar has had the 36 touchdown season, and that was this past year. Again, get your numbers right. Like, I cannot believe he's this confident and he doesn't even know the numbers that he's referencing. Probably never will. Stop acting like that that tight end that they got in Baltimore ain't good either. So Zach Ertz is terrible. How many yards did Zach Ertz have? And by the way, nobody is ever saying that Mark Andrews isn't good. Like, how many yards? Uh, 1,100. 1,100. Nah, I was off by 200. 900. He had 900 yards. How many did Dallas Goddard have? He had 600. So your tight ends had 1,400 total yards. That's not that bad. Continuing forward, and by the way, I haven't even started to address the the issue with what he said about how Carson Wentz had a 4,000-yard season and what was it, 33 touchdowns or 36? Let me listen to this again. I won't interrupt him. Let me listen to this again. Apparently, for thinking Carson Wentz is better than Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Through Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson got this combination of 4,000 passing yard season and a 33-touchdown season. I'll wait. They don't. Lamar got the 4,000 passing yard season, never threw for 30 touchdown passes. Lamar threw for 30 touchdown passes, never had a 4,000 passing yard season. He probably never will. Stop acting like that that tight end that they got in Baltimore ain't good either. 
800 yards, 10 touchdowns. Come on, that's good. Mark Ingram, come on. Mark Ingram, big offseason acquisition. They had a top five passing defense. Do you? I love how he just says Mark Ingram twice and doesn't explain why Mark Ingram was a great player for this football team, for the Baltimore Ravens. I love that. And why he had to leave the Saints. Because the Saints were like, we can't have a 30-year-old running back on our football team. Turns out Mark Ingram, and by the way, in Mark Ingram's entire career, he's only had 3,000-yard like uh, seasons, excuse me. And he's been playing since 2011, which is almost 10 years. I think that's nine years. That's, that's not very good, in all honesty. But, you know, conveniently leaves that out or doesn't know about that. Let's understand the magnitude of having a defense that can make sure you don't get in trouble. Having a defense that can get people off the field and you starting with a short field, that's what Lamar had to work with. Carson Wentz played with one of the worst secondaries in the NFL last year. They stayed giving up the cookies. They stayed giving up points. I love how he, how he says that, but he also doesn't mention that he has one of the best pass rushers in the league on his football team. And that his front four was actually really, really great last year. Love how he just omits that entirely. He's like, they had one of the best passing defenses in the league. But it's like, your front four was actually really good and your offensive line was really good. I'll, I'll, I'll let him continue. Carson Wentz found a way to weather that storm also. Bad field position. Left, tack left, 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 left tackles getting false starts. Injuries. Injuries. Listen, what Carson Wentz did ain't nobody never did last season. Lose a game because <laughs> I was like, I was about to say lose a game or not even start or not even sorry, excuse me, but not even play a full season, uh, not a full season, a full playoff game after being for after uh, after winning a Super <laughs> after winning a Super Bowl on the sidelines, not playing a full playoff game when your team um, had won a Super Bowl without you on the sidelines. Great job. All right. I'm not sitting here giving nobody no credit for something that everybody do. Nobody threw for 4,000 passing yards and didn't have a wide receiver that gets you 500 yards. Nobody ever did it. Nobody did it but Carson and Deshaun Watson, the spoiled Deshaun Watson who had DeAndre Hopkins his whole career. We're going to see how you do without DeAndre because I know what you're about to do. You couldn't throw 30 touchdown passes with him. You damn sure ain't about to do it without him. You ain't about to do it without him. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Listen, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson are good. They're good. I think Lamar Jackson is behind Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Lamar Jackson is not an arm talent. Lamar Jackson probably will never be an arm talent. Therefore, once the knees and the body start breaking down, once people start laying more hits on you and you ain't as able to run as better as you is, Cordell Stewart, Cordell Stewart him. And I like him right now. But let's not act like it ain't been a lot of quarterbacks who won MVP and never sniffed it again. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. I'm proud of Lamar in the season that he had. But is he better than Carson Wentz? No. No. He ain't better than Carson Wentz. Lamar Jackson, the Eagles would have been 5-11. and 11. Eagles would have been 5-11 and 11 if Lamar Jackson was our starting quarterback. He would have been exciting. He would have not. He would have, Listen, he would have been down in too many holes. First of all, Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson, they throw a touchdown pass in every game. Carson Wentz did that. Lamar Jackson had nine completions and he still won the game. The whole team was good. The whole team was good. If Carson Wentz get nine completions, the game over. Nine completions and they still beat Seattle. 
That's a good football team with a quarterback who could do more than one thing. But come on, when you, you when you talking about quarterbacks, see Carson Wentz don't have to run. Lamar Jackson's so good at running, he ain't better than Carson Wentz passing outside the pocket. It's a difference between arm talent and talent. Don't ever get arm talent confused with talent. This is like the classic talking about Aaron Rodgers when he was entering his prime and Cam Newton. It's a difference between arm talent and talent. Lamar Jackson got talent. Carson Wentz got arm talent. Deshaun Watson, I think, will probably keep progressing. But as of right now, Deshaun Watson ain't in Carson Wentz's league either. Carson Wentz never had a thousand yard receiver, never had a thousand yard rusher. And come on, come on, come on. I love how he just says, come on, come on, come on. A lot. To justify his statements. He is right, though, about Cam Newton versus Aaron Rodgers, which I don't think there's ever been a discussion on if Cam Newton is on the level of Aaron Rodgers. It's it's no. I don't think that's ever been the case. Um, but I just, wanted, I, I just wanted to play you actually somebody who studies tape, who understands statistics, who actually was an NFL quarterback uh, talking about <clears throat> talking about Lamar Jackson. And this is Chris Sims in his top in his uh in, in his top forty countdown, so he's pretty much ranking quarterbacks and stuff like that. This is him talking about Lamar Jackson and why Lamar lands at five. Groupings that we've had, Chris, have been fun, uh, but obviously this is the one we've all been looking forward to. I'm excited about it. We have one through five. We've had four. You and I've only had four quarterbacks each day in the past, so we get five today. Obviously, it begins at number five. Take it away. Lamar Jackson, the MVP of football. And yes, there I am, the Tiger King, a.k.a. the Chicken King, okay? Leave that up there. Uh, yeah, you like that, don't you? Uh, but, yes. hey, we know Lamar Jackson, awesome, exciting, one of the most explosive players in football, certainly dangerous in so many different ways. The skill set is vast. You know, I mean, we know the running is electric. It's as good as anybody we've ever seen in football at the quarterback position other than Michael Vick. You know, the throwing, hey, the throwing continues to go on an upward arc. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, he's a natural thrower. This is the one thing I think, you know, and this is where I know when he was coming out of Louisville, I sang his praises and for a long time said he was the best quarterback in the draft because that's what I saw, Paul. I saw a quarterback who wanted to throw in the pocket and deliver the ball to his wide receivers. And then when things broke down, he said, hey, I'm out of here. I'm going to run, right? And I do mean he's a natural thrower, Paul. I think he's one of those guys. He can pick up a baseball, football, whatever object, skip rocks on a lake, whatever you want to do. I think if we went out and threw it with him, we go, man, that sucker can throw the ball. Woo, he can throw the rock, whatever it is. He can do it all. Now, the negative, is he a polished passer yet? No, I think that's where, you know, there's a little difference there. And people might go, well, what do you mean? He's a great thrower, but not a polished right. passer. Yeah, okay. So, you know, a great thrower, hey, strong arm, can pick it up and just, he can throw spirals and rockets and he can throw it sidearm. He can jump in the air and throw it and still hit the target. But polished, and when I'm talking polished, I'm talking, okay, pockets clean. You know, five-step drop, you got to hit the 10-yard out. No, there's still inconsistencies with that. You know, hey, pocket's clean. There's a slant route open. Yeah, you completed it, but the guy had to stop in his tracks, and it just ended up being a five-yard completion. And instead, if you hit him on the numbers and let him run, it might have been a 30-yard completion. You know, I think a number of throws like that. And sometimes the inappropriate trajectory on the ball, too, where you'd go, 
oh, why do you throw the laser there? If he just touched that over the linebacker, that's going to be a big completion. Or vice versa, where you go, oh, I don't understand why he lobbed that ball up and let the safety make a play on it when he could have thrown a laser in between two dropping linebackers and that safety wouldn't have had anything to do with it. So to me, it's just those nuances that are holding back Lamar Jackson. And I think they're conquerable. He's gotten better at it. I've seen it already. But I think that's what keeps him at five for me at this moment and why I won't put him into that top four and ahead of some of the guys we're going to talk about here in a right. few minutes. He was. There you go. An in-depth analysis of Lamar Jackson by Chris Sims and a lot of what he said, I've said about Lamar. I think Lamar is a great thrower of the football. I've constantly said that. I've said, hey, uh, I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's a little bit underdeveloped. I think if, you, if I had a podcast like two years ago when Lamar came into the league, I would have said the exact same thing. I would have said you probably want to sit him out for a year and let him develop. They did not. I think he just... I think he doesn't have the experience that he wants or that you would want from a quarterback, which is why they are running it, excuse me, a lot more than throwing it. And on top of that, that he's actually a pretty good runner of the football. But yes, he, he's a very good passer of the football. He, I mean, out of 40 quarterbacks, he's, he's top five. I think he is better than Dak Prescott right now. Right now as a quarterback when it comes to throwing it. But... There are, like Chris Sims said, some consistency issues. Let's get into this ridiculous notion that apparently Carson Wentz had 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, 33 touchdowns. Well, for starters, he gets it completely wrong. Carson Wentz has never had 4,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. I love how he's like, yeah, I'm just going to point out these random ass numbers and they're just going to be, you know, they're going to be it. He, Carson Wentz is. I'm looking at Carson Wentz's numbers. He had 4,000 yards last season, 3,000 the season before that. In his MVP season, he had 3,200. 32, not a thousand. 32, not not a thousand. Excuse me, not 4,000. He had 32. The season before that, his rookie season, he had 3,700, but he only had 16 touchdowns. And yes, in his MVP season, he had 33 yards. So he can't even quote stats and look at stats correctly. I love how he's like, come on, man, come on. Like as if, like as if that's supposed to mean anything to me. Second of all, Lamar Jackson, in his first four years of his NFL career, has had a better career. That's undeniable. He's gone to the playoffs twice. Carson Wentz has not played in a playoff game once. Oh, excuse me, except for like three passes. And then he got concussed. Lamar has had more touchdowns in his start to his career. Maybe not in his start, excuse me, but in his second year than Carson Wentz has ever had in his entire career, which is 36. Oh, but he doesn't have 1,000 more yards through the air. Where do you think that 1,000 yards through the air went? Oh, he only had 3,100, but he had 66% completion percentage. Where do you think that 1,000 yards would have gone if they had thrown the football more because they ran it with Gus Edwards, they ran it with Mark Ingram, they ran it with their third running back, I think his name is Hill, and they also ran it with Lamar Jackson. They had four running backs on their team pretty much, or four dudes that could run the football more specifically. And then they had jet sweeps and fly motions, and then they had uh, even like tight end screens as well. Where do you think all of those numbers would have gone to if Lamar, or if they hadn't run the football? It would have gone to Lamar. He would have easily have had over 4,000 4, yards through the air. 
Oh, he doesn't have a lot of completions. It's like, well, would you rather have numbers or would you rather have wins? I love how he's like, the Eagles would have been 5-11 with Lamar, but they, um, they would have been exciting to watch. It's like, no, they wouldn't have. They would have easily have won the same amount, if not more, because Lamar's offense that he would be playing in would be similar to the offense that he would be playing in in Baltimore. Because let's be honest, because again, on the show that he was on with Law Nation and a couple of other YouTubers that cover um, NFC East teams, like he talked about how Doug Peterson is the best coach in the NFC East. It's like, well, the best coach in the NFC East would have devised an offensive scheme that would be similar to what Lamar Jackson ran in Baltimore. If he's worth his salt. If he's a good coach. Then on top of that, he talks about Deshaun Watson. And he gives absolutely no credence to uh, Deshaun Watson. I love how he only says that Deshaun Watson, um, uh, he had DeAndre Hopkins, and that's it. That was his entire argument. That's why Deshaun, like if Deshaun was on the Eagles, he would lose a bunch of football games. Who's Deshaun Watson's offensive lineman? One. One. Name me one. Oh, Laramie Tunsil? Oh, you mean the guy that got beaten multiple times last season? Badly, I might add. Oh, him? Okay. Who's his center? Who's his tight end? Who's his running back? Hmm. Okay. Let's take a gander at some of Deshaun's wide receivers as well. Because we like to play that game, you know, where we have confirmation bias and we just look at specific things with specific guys. And we don't actually like to analyze statistics and stats and um, and actually give people an objective view. We don't, you know, it's not like we actually like to be fair. We like to be biased and controlled and instead of looking at the facts and looking at things in a pure objective way. You know, like, let's just look at his, let's just look at some of his numbers. Um, besides, let's just look at some of the receivers' numbers on his team besides DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, wait. Will Fuller only had 600 yards. Oh, wait. Kenny Stills only had 500 yards. Isn't that similar to what Carson Wentz had? Except Deshaun had an even worse defense because J.J. Watt for the majority of the season was out and they just traded away Jadavian Clowney for nothing? Oh, wait. Isn't their wide receiving core a lot worse because they don't have two very, very good tight ends on their football team? Oh, wait, isn't their running back core way worse because they didn't have a Miles Sanders and a Jordan Howard who are easily better than anything that the, that the Texans had last season? Oh, wait, isn't it, isn't it interesting that he doesn't talk about the Texans' offensive line and he also doesn't talk about the Eagles' offensive line as well in the sense of that Jason Peters. I love how he's like, Jason Peters had a bunch of false starts and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, dude, you would, have, you would rather have Jason Peters on your team or a Tyron Smith who also had a bunch of false starts on his team than not have them. And he also had Jason Kelsey and he also had Lane Johnson. It's like, come on. And he also had that guy. What's his name? Uh, the, the right guard who was one of the best guards in the league oh yeah let's let's just not forget about that can you name me a pro bowler houston texans offensive lineman that's currently on the roster i'll play his game don't worry i'll wait you can't because that person doesn't exist oh maybe laramie tunsil if you want to consider him but in my opinion he doesn't deserve he didn't deserve to go to the pro bowl It weirds me out sometimes to see people be like, to, to just like take things completely out of context and 
to act like this is a this is like a legitimate argument that you can use to get the drop on me, you know? Or they get or or to have like an actual argument. So like, oh yeah, Lamar only had a, a couple of games where he completed more than 20%, uh, not 20%, excuse me, but 20 completions. Who the fuck cares? He went 13-2. and two. He didn't even play in the final game. Carson Wentz played in every single game and lost four more games than Lamar. Oh wait, he only had one 300-yard game. Oh, okay, big whoop. He had 36 touchdowns. Oh, wait, Deshaun only has, or not only, excuse me, but has DeAndre Hopkins. Who cares? Everything else around him sucks, including his head coach. That is asinine. Like, I was watching, and again, I watched this, like, all last night. And I was like, this dude doesn't even know what he's talking about whatsoever. He just keeps on having these, like, straw man arguments that don't, that, that don't showcase off the entirety of the argument. Super weird to me. It's like, dude, why? This is why I'm better than everybody. It took me like 40 minutes to break it down. But Jesus Christ, man. Like, I'm I'm done with Lord Bronson. Now I don't ever have to talk about him ever again. Like, it took 40 minutes, but it's like, I would rather take 40 minutes and not have any regrets and not, like, freaking analyze that very, very, like, critically than just half-ass it. Because there was, there was so much bullshit in that argument, in that video. It's like, did you research anything? He misquoted stats. He didn't, he properly took things out of context. Not properly. He purposely took things out of context. He didn't have good references. And a lot of the times, time, excuse me, he barely even knew what he was talking about. It's like, what's the relevance of him completing only 20% or not 20? Oh my God. Only 20 passes in a game. None. If you're winning. And if you're running the football with, like, four guys, that's, again, it's ridiculous. Moving on. Let's talk about somebody who could actually have impact on the uh, on the regular season. Chris Jones, Kansas City Chief. Apparently, he wants to sit out the entire season. Or he said that he could. This is, I think, a veiled threat, by the way. I don't think he's actually going to, uh, to sit out for the entirety of the season. <clears throat> But I think, but he is franchise tagged. He has not signed the franchise tag. I think that he, I think he could potentially sit out for the season. No, no, no. I don't think so. As I like gave it like two seconds, I was like, no, I don't think so. I think this again. I think this is just a, a veiled threat. Chris Jones, by the way, one of the best D tackles in the league, if not the best D tackle in the league, and he wants a big deal contract. Excuse me. Oh, my God. He wants a big contract. Because Chris Jones, even though he plays tackle, he's not just a run stopper. He is a pass rusher, if I look at his numbers here. Last season, he had nine sacks. The season before that, he had 15. So he's banking on the fact that he had 15 sacks in 2018. And I was like, this dude is absolutely insane. And then his production dropped significantly by like six sacks six and a half sacks and a touchdown by the way he also had a touchdown and a, and a pick but he wants more money and i would give it to him i wouldn't max him out money wise but i also would say to myself it's like this is one of the best defensive players in the league currently paired with one of the best offensive player not offensive but one of the best not the best 
not one of the best, excuse me, but the best football player in the league in Patrick Mahomes. I would 1,000% sign Chris Jones right now. But the Kansas City Chiefs, they, they don't want to. But they also could because, and here's the reason why I think they could sign him before July 15th. I think it's because they got the Mahomes deal done, and now they're kind of just trying to get the Chris Jones done very the, the Chris Jones deal done very very quickly. Because it's like I think he's the I think he's the the missing link. Because you really don't have a lot of pass rushers on your football team, unless I'm missing something with Frank Clark. Unless Frank Clark, yeah, Frank Clark had eight sacks, and he's a defensive end. I, I got to be honest with you. I would I would sign Chris Jones. Just trying to say it. Just sign Chris Jones. I think he's the guy. I think he's going to be your guy for the next 10 plus years. We'll see. I think he does have a huge chance of being signed, but maybe they don't value him as much. Maybe they do. Maybe they just want to get some things done or not done. I don't know. Let's talk about young quarterbacks again. Not just Carson Wentz and Mahomes. Let's talk about the guys at the under uh, at the other end of the spectrum, the guys that I, I don't believe in at all. Um, Josh Allen, Kyle Allen, and Sam Darnold. They work with the same guy. I think it's James Palmer or Carson Palmer. I think Carson Palmer was his brother. Yep, and it was James Palmer, I think, who he's working with, who they're all working with. Let me just make sure. Or is it? Who? Who is it? Oh, no. Carson Palmer's. Who is this guy? Jordan. No. Is it Jordan Palmer? I think so. So, whoever these guys are working with, hold on, hold on. Is it, is it Jordan Palmer? Hold on. Uh, let me go to his brother. Let me see his brother. I'm pretty sure it is his brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Jordan Palmer... Carson Palmer's brother works with um, dudes like Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Joe Burrow, and then Kyle Allen and others. So he works with a lot of young quarterbacks. Doesn't really work with a lot of the older guys. Works with a bunch of young quarterbacks. Some of those guys on that on those names are significant, like Joe and Deshaun and Mahomes. But Sam Darnold, Kyle Allen, and Sam Darnold, uh uh-uh. And I saw them all working out in a beach in Los Angeles again. Again, this past, like, in the past couple of weeks, I saw them again. And it's like I had issues with them working out together because, A, they're not very good quarterbacks. And, B, like, what are you going to learn from each other? I mean, maybe, well, that's not fair. Maybe they can learn something to help each other out. But it's like you, you guys are a couple of weeks away from going into training camp. You really need to work on your rapport with your other teammates and not with ran- not with dudes who are on a beach in Los Angeles. 
Like that's not that that is not how you get better at this point in the season. Like it's the reality, it's the reality of the situation. You gotta be better and you gotta train with people who are better. Like training with Carson not Carson, excuse me, but um with Kyle Allen and Sam Darnold and like most of those guys I I don't know like I don't I don't think anyone I don't who is Kyle Allen playing for right now who's he playing for I think Washington yep Washington he's playing for the Washington team I'll talk about the Washington name change in a couple of minutes but he's playing for Washington he used to play for the Panthers Panther, the Panthers, excuse me, were like, nope, we cannot, we can't use this guy. He's not, he's not very good. You cannot work with dudes that aren't very good, and the dudes that he is working with aren't very good. If you had told me that he's working out with a Patrick Mahomes, with a Deshaun Watson, with those guys, I would have been like, all right, fair play. But in reality, he's not. And he hasn't worked with those guys. So it's like, I don't I don't really get it. I don't really get what he's doing. I don't really get why he's doing it. I think he shouldn't be doing it, to be honest with you. I don't think he should be working out with the guys that he's working with. But it's his decision at the end of the day. If you want to keep working with dudes that have not worked, that have not really won a whole lot ever, be my guess. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a better quarterback because of it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win a whole bunch of football games. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you're not working with the best. So. And I don't even know who he is. Like I said, like you're you're just not like he is he isn't working with the best. Like in reality, it could just be like like the he could be Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, not Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and um, <clears throat> and um, what's his face, uh, Kyle Allen. Like I don't necessarily know who the he is in that situation because they're literally all in the same boat. They're all in this really really horrific situation where they're not very good at that position. So. Speaking of dudes that aren't very good at that position, or maybe are, but um, AB was seen training with Russell Wilson. He was seen training with him. I thought to myself, that in and of its own right is significant. That Antonio Brown is training with one of the best quarterbacks in the league is significant. And then you hear reports coming out of Seattle, coming out of a bunch of, um, out of, um, I think even, what was that team? I don't, I don't know. It was like, it, oh yeah, the Seattle, Seattle and the Raiders, and um, not the, not the Raiders, excuse me, but the Browns, like a couple of other teams, and they were like, yeah, we're interested. Was it the Browns? I don't know. It was like, it was a lot of teams that were interested in having. 
and having Antonio Brown come in, it was it wasn't the Raiders, excuse me. Now I remember it was the um, it was the Ravens. That's who was interested in the Browns, or not in the Browns, in Antonio Brown. You have all of these teams that are interested in this one free agent, and it's so important to get this dude back into football because I think he's going to be one of the most important. I don't want to say free agents because it's not like he's looking for a new contract. It's more specifically that he's just looking to play football. I think regardless of the situ- of the situation at hand, he is going to be one of the biggest and most important players that are available in the coming months, if I'm honest with you. I don't think it's even close. I think there's A.B., and really that's kind of it. Maybe not A.B., but then there's other guys as well. And I'll go into that in a little bit, in a, a little bit later. But there's A, B, and when you look at Antonio and you look at what he can potentially do for you as a football team, when you look at his abilities as a football player, and I know that he's been out of the league for almost two years, but the time that he was in the league as a um, as a as a Patriot, as a Raider, as a as a Steeler. Those years where he won football games for those teams, where he was one of the most important players on that on those teams. And he still got it. He's 30 years old, but he's still one of the best football players to play the sport, in my opinion. He is. And when you pair him up with a Seattle Seahawks quarterback in Russ, when you pair him up with a quarterback in in um in potentially Lamar, and I said this, I think during the draft, I said like, hey, if you're the Eagles, draft a receiver in the first round, draft like Justin Jefferson, draft um draft uh who else draft justin jefferson get a b you know get get weapons for your guy if you believe in this guy get weapons for him right what did they do i was like get antonio what did they do they didn't get antonio i was like hey get go out and get um, uh, Justin Jefferson or C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy or one of these guys. What did they do? They didn't do anything at all, whatsoever. They well, maybe well, that's that's not entirely correct. They technically got they got dudes. They got they got um they got Jalen Rager. They got Deion um. They got Hightower, Jordan Hightower, who I, John Hightower, not Jordan Hightower, excuse me. They got John Hightower, who I actually really, really like. But beyond that, that's kind of it. They didn't get anyone else. So instead of risking it all, instead of going for, you know, a team's throw, instead of getting players that could actually potentially help you as an organization, you go out and you, you freaking... You play it safe. 
They didn't believe in their guy. You saw what happened when Dallas had an opportunity to go out and get somebody. To get somebody that's going to impact that team. You saw what happened. They said, well, we actually, like, we, we'll do it. We will do it. We will go out and we will get CeeDee Lamb. We'll go out. They did it twice. They said, we'll go out and we'll get CeeDee Lamb, but we'll also get who else? Who else? Who else did they get? Amari Cooper. We got to judge Dak Prescott. And how we judge Dak Prescott is by going out and getting him weapons. The Eagles, they could have gotten and gone after who? Antonio Brown. And they also could have gone out and gone after... um, Who else could they could have gotten? uh, What was his name? Now that's it. They could have gotten... Freaking Amari Cooper, just like the Dallas Cowboys. Apparently, they had offered the the um, the Raiders a second round draft pick. The Raiders didn't accept it. They didn't want it. They also could have gotten Ceedee Lamb if they traded up in the draft. They could have gotten Justin Jefferson. They got Jalen Rager. So instead of getting an AB, they got a whole bunch of nothing. Now is the opportunity, and I said it during the draft. Go out and get AB. Go out and. Go out and get A.B. Go get a wide receiver in the first round. Go get a running back if you want one. Go get a left tackle. Go get whoever you want. And I dared them. I dared them. And, oh, yeah, 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 I remember. I remember um, the specifics of what I was doing. I was like, listen, you guys could potentially get A.B., Stephon Diggs, and Deshaun Jackson. It wasn't, I remember now, specifically. I remember it clearly. I, it, was, it wasn't even about going out and getting a draft pick. It was specifically about going out and getting weapons. So I was like, you could have gotten Stephon Diggs for like a first-round draft pick and whatever, and then you could get um, Antonio Brown off of the free agency market and bada-bing, bada-boom, you have the best wide-receiving um, core in the entire league. Could have done that. Did you do that? No, you did not. So now you're stuck here, you're looking around, and you're like, well, what do we do now? Maybe go out and get AB. Probably not. But seeing that AB is one of the biggest and most important free agents in the league that easily could change the way that we play football, or not we play football, but how the league plays football, I thought it would be a good idea to look at some of the other guys that could potentially be game changers in this league. Jadavion Clowney and Everson Griffith, Griffin, excuse me, with obviously Antonio Brown. Those are the big name free agents that if you're a team, you're looking to sign. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, you, after Dak Prescott, you are looking to sign one guy from that list. Probably not Antonio Brown because you got three wide receivers. He's way too big of a headache. You got your guys, right? <clears throat> But then, once you go after that, it's like, well, you don't really have a right defensive end. You have technically Alden Smith, but you don't want him to be your starter. That's way too much pressure. Also, by the way, you have no idea if he's actually going to start. Let's just be honest. Like, he's been out of the league for, what, four or five years? Maybe even six years? Come on, he's 30. He hasn't played since he was, like, in his mid-20s. Like, let's just be realistic about this type of stuff.
So you need a defensive end. There's two out there if you're Dallas. There's two out there if you're a lot of teams. Let's just kind of think about this logically, right? If you're the Saints, and somebody brought this up, because not even somebody, it was Jadavion Clowney who was like, the two teams that I really, really like to go to are the Saints and the Cowboys. Right? <clears throat> Saints, Cowboys. So if you are the Saints, you have Cam Jordan and a really, really nice defense. Marshawn Lattimore, that linebacker, I forgot his name. You added Malcolm Jenkins this year. And obviously your offense, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara. Who else did they add in free agency? They added somebody. Emmanuel Sanders. I think somebody else. I forgot who. But if you're the Saints, Jadavion Clowney puts you, maybe not over the hump, but they give you a nice advantage over the competition, over Brady, who does not like to be pressured. Let's just get that out of the way. Brady does not like to be touched at all in the pocket. He likes to dance. He likes to move around. But he does not like to be tackled. Ever. Ever. Gotta say it twice. So if you're the Saints and if you're playing Brady twice a year and you're trying to compete for that one seed, that could potentially put you over the hump. If you're the Cowboys and you're competing against a team whose offensive line now has Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson pretty much has beaten Deshaun, or not Deshaun, but DeMarcus on every single time they meet. But then you look at that left side of the offensive line, the right side for you guys defensively, and you're like, wait a second, Jason Peters is not there anymore. Hmm. Let's go out and get somebody that can beat, or maybe not even beat, but put pressure on the quarterback. Let's keep him contained and collapse the pocket. Because apparently Carson Wentz can run and he can scramble and he can make plays, right? Let's keep dudes like Dwayne Haskins, who some people think he's a mobile, he's not mobile. He is slow. Let's get his ass on the ground. Let's not, let's contain and collapse. Let's not even try to be bashful about it. Same thing goes with with Daniel Jones. The thing that happens with quarterbacks is that when you contain a quarterback, especially a mobile quarterback that wants to get out of the pocket and run around and try and scramble and try and try to get somebody open, help him out. When you contain that dude, when you make him beat you from the pocket, and he's not very good at beating you from the pocket, you have a way better chance of winning. Winning, excuse me. My voice just cracked. <clears throat> I've been, like, coughing up a bunch of phlegm. I don't know what's up with me. <clears throat> excuse me. But yes, Jadavion Clowney, or even an Everson Griffin, who in my opinion is way better at rushing the passer than Jadavion Clowney, I think, to be honest with you, here's what's going to happen. It's either going to happen during training camp or before, right before training camp, maybe a couple of days. You would hear one or both or one or two or all three of these dudes get signed to a team. Before or during training camp. Because one of the key positions on an NFL team will get hurt. It happens all the time in training camp. 
one dude's going to get hurt. And then it's like, well, you got to you gotta pick up, not pick up, but you got to find a guy to replace them, to compete, to do something. Here comes in Antonio Brown, Javon Clowney, Everson Griffin. find a way gotta find a way as I flip my pages over I gotta pee again but I will hold it okay okay like, should I take a bathroom break? Yes, I will. I'll take one more. And then we'll continue forward with what um with what I was talking about. Or not even what I was talking about, but specifically with um with some other topics that I have prepared for you on the uh, on the podcast here. Hold on, let me freaking take a Alright. Alright, here we go. Alright, I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Ladies and gentlemen. This has been 24's Podcast. Twenty-fourth podcast, continuing forward. Some of the stuff that I have to talk about here today. 
Let's talk about it. What do I got for you today? Uh, so I sit here in my hot ass room. It's like 84 degrees in here. Okay, you know, no lie. It's it's hot as hell. It's it's as hot as a furnace in here. It's not my fault. It's the summer heat. It's its fault. So I'm like, it's the time of the year's fault for how hot it is in this room. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. <coughs> I don't know why, but it's just so much phlegm is in my throat. I don't know why. So let's talk about something significant. The NFLPA voted, I think, late last week to cancel the entirety of the preseason. The, what the frick? The, um, the president of the NFLPA, and the NFLPA, they came out with a statement today talking about how the NFL is above the coronavirus, and apparently they want the coronavirus to bend to its will, which is what I've been kind of saying for the past couple of months. I've been saying, like, I don't understand the NFL's, like, guidelines for the um for the coronavirus it doesn't necessarily sound legitimate it doesn't it sounds kind of not thought out and here it is here's the statement from the nflpa president keep in mind this is a player that's playing in the league currently it's a couple of paragraphs long i won't read the entire document to you but i think that there is <clears throat> i think there is some uh some very very good stuff in this article technically in this statement. Hold on, let me. Here it is. Hold on, let me just make sure. Here it is. So he's going to go into details about the NFL protocols and stuff like that. Very, very small details, but he will go into detail about some of the protocols and stuff like that. So here we go. As a preventive measure during the, during the COVID-19 pandemic, excuse me, the NFLPA and NFL formed a joint committee of doctors, trainers, and strength coaches to develop protocols designed to bring players up to full speed in a healthy way when they return. So before what he's talking about, before this paragraph, what he talked about was essentially that players got injured after the 2011 lockout. The specific statistics on it were um, injuries increased by 25%. Achilles injuries more than doubled and hamstring hamstr hamstring strange, excuse me, went up 44%. So they formed this coalition of doctors and trainers and stuff like that to try and bring back players in a healthy way. He then continues to go forward and say, the NFL initially accepted and implemented the joint committee's suggestions, including items like no joint practices and no fans at training camp. Pretty much what I've been Pretty much what they've kind of done, which I think they have done. They have said no more joint practices, no more fans at, uh, at, at training camp. Continuing forward, however, the NFL was unwilling to follow the joint committee's recommendation of a 48-day training camp schedule despite these experts' assessment that teams face a serious risk of player injury spikes this year based on past NFL data and recent findings from sports leagues that have already returned to play this year. The NFL is unwilling to prioritize player safety and believes that the virus will bend to football. <clears throat> Continuing forward. Tied to these safe return-to-work recommendations, there is a similar disagreement in regard to the number of preseason games. 
The NFL has recently stated it wants to play two preseason games when we asked for a medical reason to play games that don't count in, in the standings during an ongoing pandemic. The NFL failed to provide one. The league did provide a football reason, though, to evaluate rosters. The NFL also stated that it was important to stage preseason games to check how our game protocols will work. With no medical reason provided for holding any preseason games and the desire to follow the joint committee's recommendations, the NFLPA Board of Player Representatives unanimously voted against any preseason games this season. Every decision this year that prioritizes normalcy over innovation, custom over science, or even football over health significantly reduces our chances of competing the full season. We don't want to merely return to work and have the season shut down before we even get started. The NFLPA will do its part to advocate for player safety. We will continue to hold the NFL accountable and demand that the league use data, science, and the, re and the recommendations of its own medical experts to make decisions. It has been clear for months that we need to find a way to fit football inside the world of coronavirus. Making decisions outside that lens is both dangerous and irresponsible. From, I think his name is Jason Cutter, the center for the Browns. J.C. Treader. Got that completely wrong. I think he is the center for the Browns, though. <clears throat> Talking about, in very, very deep detail, in great detail, the um, uh, the the situation going on with the NFLPA and the uh, the NFL reopening the league. Essentially, I one thousand percent agree with everything that he said. <clears throat> I think everything that he has said has been completely, not completely, but um, is based in logic and based in facts. Notice what he said. He did he didn't say that they didn't want to play, and in fact, he said that. I'll read you the direct quote. Where is it? We don't want to merely return to work and have the season shut down before we even get started. The NFLPA, da 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 da. Where's the other quote? Where is it? I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did read it. Sorry. But pretty much what he's saying is that he wants him and the player organizations, or not the player organizations, but the player associations and the players in general, they want to play football. But they also want to do it for a full season, and I've been saying it for months. I don't think that the current NFL PA protocol, not PA, but the NFL protocols are good for having a long and sustained season. And the interesting thing that he even says is that, and I don't know if you caught it or not, but what he says is essentially that the league isn't listening to the recommendations of its own doctors. The decision makers aren't listening to the advice of their own doctors. Boy, doesn't that sound really and eerily similar to what the United States government did when the doctors came out and said in February that the, coronavi that the coronavirus could, uh, could potentially spread to the United States? Doesn't that sound... Very, very similar. Hmm. Maybe it's just me. So pretty much what he's saying is that the season could potentially get canceled, which it 1,000% could be, and that's my greatest fear, is that essentially 
Um, wait, like uh, I, I just saw on the news today that FC Dallas, the football club, technically it's um, a soccer club, but they call it FC uh, Dallas. That team will not return to play when the season restarts. Want to know why? Way too many of its players are testing positive for the coronavirus. Hmm. I wonder if there's another football team that plays in Dallas that doesn't play soccer but actually plays football. Hmm. Only short of it is, I still think that the NFL still has work to do when it comes to the protocols involving the coronavirus. It's not just about, oh, somebody's going to catch it. It's about mitigating the risk. And I feel like the NFL has not mitigated the risk, like at all. I mean, not at all, but greatly. I still think that there is great risk. Like the fact that apparently the Green Bay Packers are thinking about having fans in the stands just like, mm, I don't know. And you, hear, and you heard what he said, uh, J.C. Treader, he talked about it. He said, listen, we don't need a, 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 a preseason. We don't need it. We don't. The reason why we don't need it is because we're going to have injuries because of the lockout. Maybe not of the lockout, but because players haven't gone through OTAs and things of that nature. Players, like, we haven't essentially gathered as a team in seven, eight months, depending on when you, you know, depending on how deep you played into the playoffs. I, you need, you need to have better protocols. As evident by the president of the NFLPA stating so. I'm not a doctor in this. I'm not one of the people who are on this joint. What is, what's it called? The Joint Committee of Doctors and Trainers and Strength Coaches. I'm not one of those guys. But I would listen to one of those guys. I would listen to that organization. I would listen to that committee. Because they seem to know what they're talking about. Owners, GMs, d commissioners, they don't know what they're talking about. That's why you hire experts to make sure that you know what they're talking about. It's oxymoronic to hire people that are experts in a field and then you don't listen to your experts in that respective field. It's oxymoronic. It's ridiculous. It's like, it's ignorant. Do you want to have a part of the season or do you want to have the full season? And yes, this is all about money. Like, let me make that perfectly clear. This is 1000% all about money. Like, that's the reality of the situation. The reason why it's all about money, they want, they charge the exact same price for admission in a terrible preseason game as they do in an actual game. Price of admission, still the same. Still the same. Then they got hard knocks. They got to get something. Nobody's going to watch hard knocks if there's no preseason games. Nobody may watch hard knocks to begin with. Like, it's, it's weird how The Last Dance can literally come out of nowhere. And these other TV shows that are these annual released TV shows, they're like, well, we got to we gotta have content. We got to do this. We got to do that. Instead of just like being good, they're like, well, we now have to have preseason football games. All right. We'll see. We'll see if the NFL listens. And again, I've been saying it 
for like the last couple of weeks, I don't like what the NFL has been doing when it comes to the decision making of the uh, of the protocols. I think they need better protocols. That's the reality of the situation. They they need better. They need to do better, or else, like J.C. Treader said, you could have a start of the season, or you could potentially have the worst the worst possible thing that could happen this year is if the NFL has training camp and way too many dudes get it and then it's like or coaches get it because there are coaches that are like 70 years old Bill Belichick I think is almost 70 he's in his late 60s right Pete Carroll is 70 years old a lot of old ass coaches coaches excuse me in the league what happens when a coach gets it what does he do forget players what about coaches like Herm Edwards, he brought it up. He said, you know, it's it, like, come on. Do everything in your power to make sure that this league goes on this year. Maybe not as normal. Maybe it's not business as usual, but make sure that the league goes on. There's that saying in show business, the show must go on. You cannot afford to waste this opportunity keep saying this man the ratings are going to go through the fucking roof week one it's impossible that they don't you have dallas and the rams mahomes and the texans bro if you get it done if you get this shit if you fucking handled your business if you handled it hand really handled it it, w- it would be over with. The NFL would have the best season for ratings ever. But you could all miss out on what? On having what? On having two preseason games? On what? On having... What? Like, like shitty protocols? What's the point? You're, you're, you're jumping over a 20 to get after a 5. Not even a five, a penny. You're saying, fuck that 20, I want a penny. I'd rather make $20 over getting a damn cent. You're not even getting a dime. You're getting a cent, a penny, one. One one penny is one cent. A hundred pennies forms a dollar. That means that you would have to get what was it? How many pennies is that? Times that by what? 20? You'd have to get like 2,000 pennies to make $20. That's a ridiculous amount. You could, you're, you're going to lose on so much to gain so little. For what? And it's, and it's like, it's the exact same thing that's going on in the real world. Forget about football. It's like it's the exact same thing, Right? I look on the internet, I go online, I see this dude on Instagram, and he has the fucking coronavirus, and he's at a beach, and he's like, fuck it, I've been inside my house for eight days, fuck all you guys, I want to go out and party, it's like, how selfish can you honestly be, how idiotic can you honestly, we've all been fucking quarantined for the last eight months, it's like, we're so close, we are so close to having football, 
and you just want to freaking like just throw it away for what for what for nothing besides like besides having like besides fixing a bullet hole with a band-aid as cliche as it sounds it's the reality it's the truth it's like you guys are just wasting time then you're gonna waste time you're gonna waste this season the season you have joe burrow and freaking Baker Mayfield mashed up in week two, Thursday night. Like the NFL will not stop the party. As soon as like what what's what's the schedule? Let me let me look at the schedule. Let me check it out. Let me check out the schedule. Right? Let me check it out. The Hall of Fame game has been canceled. Nobody cares about the fucking Hall of Game, the Hall of Fame game. No, I don't care. I don't care that it was Dallas versus Pittsburgh. I don't give. I don't care. Want to know why? Because the Hall of Fame game sucks. It sucks that people have to sit through a bunch of no names running around in team jerseys that they may or may not be on at the end of of August. It sucks to watch the Hall of Fame game and act like the Hall of Fame game is this big important thing is ridiculous. The Hall of Fame inductment is important. But not the fucking Hall of Fame game. Nobody cares. Week one, you, again, you have Mahomes versus Watson. Sunday night, Rams versus Cowboys. Monday, Monday night, you have a doubleheader, Steelers versus Giants. That's not that interesting. And then Titans versus Broncos. Not that interesting either. But and on Thursday night, you have Browns versus Bengals. Burrow, Mayfield, Odell, Jarvis, Chubb, Hunt. You have a fantastic game on your hands. Sunday night, that next week. What is it? It's fucking Patriots versus Seahawks. Cam Newton versus Russell Wilson. Are you... Fuck it, like, it's, it's right there, man. It, and, and then you have kind of, and, and then it's like, depending on if two attack of Aloha plays, Dolphins versus Jags, Gardner Minshew, two attack of Aloha. And then Sunday night, week three, Saints versus Packers. Monday night, Ravens versus Chiefs. The, again, the, and, then, and, then mid, and, and then as one of the midday games, you have Cowboys versus Seahawks. The party does not stop. Best ratings ever. And you want to, and you just want to can it for dumbass decision making. I don't get it. I don't get it. I really, I really don't understand it. I really, I don't, I don't, I don't. And it's like every single, because I had issues last year with with the scheduling, and I was like, why, why aren't these good games scheduled? And then I just keep looking down the list, and I'm like, bangers. Week five, Bucks at Bears, Thursday night. Seattle versus the Vikings, Sunday. Monday night, Chargers versus Saints. Week six, Chiefs at Bills. Monday, not Monday, Thursday night. Then Sunday night, Rams versus 49ers. Monday night is Cowboys versus Cardinals. Kyler Murray returning back to his home state to play in the stadium where he won four state championships at. You could not make up a better schedule and have almost like I'm just I'm just looking at the weeks. I have not seen a bad primetime selection except on the first week. I'm I'm going through it. I'm looking through it. Maybe Broncos at Jets week four Thursday night. 
but I have not seen a bad primetime selection. I'm going week seven. Eagles versus Giants, I'm fine with that. Buccaneers, Raiders, oh my God. In the new stadium, Bears at Rams, kind of a snooze fest. (laughs) Oh my God, it was a snooze fest. Panthers versus Falcons, kind of a snooze fest. Thursday night, Sunday night, Cowboys at Eagles. Bucks at Giants. Brady going up against his arch rival, the Giants, once again. Week 9, Packers, 49ers. Thursday night, Saints on Sunday night. Saints versus Bucks. Brady Breeze, the matchup we've been waiting for all season long. Patriot, and by the way, week 1 opens up, I think, with Brady and Breeze. Where is it? Yes, it does. It's a three o'clock game. You watch, and then, and, and, oh my God. Oh my God. Listen, listen, to, listen to the week one schedule. Check that. Peep this game, son. Texans, Chiefs, that's your Thursday night game. Jets, Bills. Snooze fest, kind of. Packers, Vikings. Eagles, Washington. Browns, Ravens. Colts, Jaguars, Panthers, Raiders, the Raiders, Bears, Lions, snooze fest, Seattle versus Falcons, kind of a snooze fest because Seattle will probably win, and then you have Dolphins versus Patriots, Chargers versus Bengals, Herbert, Herbert, oh my god, Herbert versus Burrow, Cardinals versus Niners, that series was fantastic, Bucks versus Saints, Brady and Breeze, then Sunday night, you get freaking Cowboys versus the Rams. You get Cardinals versus 49ers and Bucks versus Saints in the lead up to Sunday night football. Come on. Continuing forward, where, where was I at? I lost my damn place. 49ers versus Packers, week nine. The NFC Divisional or not in, divisional, excuse me, but the NFC Championship game. This is week nine primetime games, again. You got, oh yeah, Saints versus Bucks on Sunday night, and then on Monday night, you get the Patriots versus the Jets. Week 10, Colts versus Titans. Kind of a snooze fest. <clears throat> I'm not really that interested in either one of those teams. And then on Sunday night, Baltimore versus Patriots. And then Monday night, kind of a snooze fest, Vikings versus Bears. Week 11, Cardinals versus Seahawks. Excuse me, Raiders. Excuse me, Raiders versus Chiefs. Bucks versus Rams. Week 12, Texans versus Lions. Thursday night. Sunday night, Bears versus Packers, snooze fest. I hated that game last year. And then you got Seattle versus Eagles. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Eagles twice last year. Both, not both, but once in the playoffs, once in the regular season. And then week 13, you're going to get the big boy, double, not double header, but the big boy header, Cowboys at Ravens. Then Sunday night, Broncos, Chiefs. Bills 49ers Monday night. And then on and on and on. I don't see a bad prime time. Found it. Maybe. Steelers versus Bills. 
that's kind of a snooze fest. It's like, eh, I, may, I, 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 I don't think there are, I don't think the teams are that exciting. Maybe besides the Bills, but maybe not the Bills. Excuse me, the Steelers. But I don't really see a snoozer, that many snoozers on the schedule. And you got some bangers too. It's not like you're gonna fall asleep watching some of these games. You got some great games, man. And you want to throw it away? This 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 is probably one of your best scheduled seasons in a very long time. And you want to throw it throw it away? Why? Why, man? Get the season done. Get it done. Get it started. People want to watch this sport. Imagine how many people. I cannot express this enough. Imagine how many people would want to watch this sport because there's nothing else on in September. And everybody's cold because it's September and it's the fall and it's hot. Maybe not it's hot, but it's cold, so people are staying indoors. So guess what? People want to watch football. This isn't hard. Make the necessary sacrifices. Get the show on the road. Get it going again. It's all about discipline. You see some of the t- you see some of the countries that have fit like the United States cannot go to Europe. The United States, like people from the United States cannot fly over to Europe. I think the EU or the UN, they're starting to open up borders again. The United States is not one of those countries that can go to Europe or certain countries within Europe because we have not had this thing figured out. And like the NFLPA president said, the NFL thinks that this virus will bend to its will. The coronavirus does not. I just saw today this Brazilian president, not to get too political, but the Brazilian president that was like, you know what, the coronavirus isn't that big of a deal, and he was outside in the streets protesting with protesters who were like, you know, let's get rid of social distancing and masks and stuff like that. He now has the, he, he, he now has the freaking coronavirus. Coronavirus doesn't care about you. Doesn't care what your, what your political beliefs are, but your beliefs in general, it will still give you, it will give anybody the virus. It's like to see people on on freaking beaches during the 4th of July. It's like, dude, you don't get it. See the NFL not get it and pretend like everything is okay. It's like, dude, we are in a pandemic with a extremely viral disease. Figure this shit out. Figure it out. I'm sick and tired of not. I'm so done with having to address the exact same thing over and over and over again. And that is, well, the NFL doesn't want to make the necessary sacrifices. To have their sport be back, and more specifically, to have their sport be back in one of the best scheduled seasons I've seen in a very long time. But, you know, again, the concept, they'd rather jump a five, or not jump a five, but jump a 20 to get a penny. Dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Jesus Christ. What else do I got? Oh, yeah. I forgot to talk about this. <clears throat> the um, the Washington team is apparently proposing to change its name. Now, if you have been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that I constantly refer to the Washington team as the Washington team, and by the Washington team, I mean the Washington football team, as the Washington football team. I refer to them, I don't refer to them by their nickname, I just say the Washington team, or Washington, or Washington. 
because uh, their team name is a racial slur. That's, uh, that's, that's what a lot of people would define it as. That's what Native Americans would define it as. I don't say it because it's what other people define it as. It's like saying the N-word. I'm black. It's like I get offended whenever people call me the N-word, even if they're black. So I say, hey, don't call me the N-word. And guess what they don't do? They don't call me the N-word. So Washington, after years of Dan Snyder, one of the worst owners in the NFL, trying to proclaim that it's not a, a racial slur, is finally probably going to have to change it because FedEx and Nike, they're done. They said, hey, uh, Nike said, hey, we're not selling any more of your crappy merchandise anymore. We're not doing it. The um, FedEx was like, we're not, we're not putting up with it either. We want to get rid of it as well. Get rid of it. We don't care. So you have all of these teams, or not all of these teams, but all of these organizations, big organizations, big companies, FedEx, uh, I think the Pepsi-Cola company as well. And then obviously you have Nike being like, we're not even going to sell your freaking merchandise until you get it, until you get it situated. So now, what will Washington do? What will be the name change? Well, it has to be something red. So Dwayne Haskins said, let's rename the team the Red Tails after the infamous Tuskegee Airmen. If you don't know Tuskegee Airmen, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a group of segregated African-American pilots in, the, in, in World War II. A brief history of that, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories ever. A uh, brief history of the um, of the Tuskegee Airmen. The Tuskegee Airmen, they were the only, I think, group or division or um, escort escort groups uh, or group of escort pilots and planes and stuff like that to actually have or not to lose a single bomber in World War II. A big problem in World War II was that bombers would get shot down, and uh, when Germans would start attack. Uh, U.S. bombers and flying runs and stuff like that. The Germans would come in and swoop down and pilots would be too afraid to escort pi uh, bombers and stuff like that. And the only group that didn't lose a single bomber was the Tuskegee Airmen. Also, they were the first, like, group of people to encounter a jet-propelled airplane. So the Germans, at the end of World War II, they figured out how to have these um, these planes with jet engines in them, if you don't, if you don't know anything about like aeronautical history. Um, we were flying with propellers and we were not flying with jet powered engines. Like we were flying with car engines in our planes. They were flying with jet powered engines. So Tuskegee Airmen, first group of people to encounter jet powered engines and shoot them down. I think it's a good solution to a very obnoxious problem, to a problem that you really didn't even need to have. It was just friggin' Dan Snyder that um that like like you're honoring a, a group a, a division of, of of men that sacrificed their lives to make sure you know that the success of the United States happened in World War II I think I think it's a great thing to name the the, the a football team after the Tuskegee Airmen especially a group of black like not black but um like a team that has like very very infamous black players in it um a a, a group of people. I don't, I don't know what they were called, a division, uh, a unit. We'll just call the Tuskegee Airmen a unit, the Red Tails. To name a football team after that unit, after that division, 
Like, you can't do anything more honorable. Unless there's a better solution, unless there's a Native American, you know, symbol that, you know, is okay, whatever. Just don't be a jackass about it, you know? Just figure it out. This is a time where you could really, really set, like, where you could have a name where people are proud to be like, I'm a fan of that team, you know? Without the racial slaughter in it. Like, the cool thing about some team names are, like, the Patriots. That's a cool team name, you know? The other yeah, Cowboys. What else is a cool team name? Uh, the Steelers. And what else? I think that's... There's a couple more, but it's like, whenever you think of, like, a Tiger, you think of, like, the uh, the Bengals, for example. And the Bengals, they suck. The Cincinnati Bengals. It's like you can make a really, really cool and interesting team name with historical value with it. Like the cool thing about the Kansas City Chiefs is that the Chiefs, they're not like, they're not racist. You know, they don't have these like stereotypes. They just have an arrowhead. Their stadium is called Arrowhead and that's it. Like, that's all you need. Just don't be a jackass about it, you know? I would love to call Washington by their team name, but I can't. I would love to call them the Washington Red Tails. Or again, if there is a Native American symbol, tribe, that won't take offense to it. If there is a, like, the cool thing would be if you named the Washington football team. What, what What's like a Native Native American tribe that's that was like in Washington for years? Like, let me, let me type this in. And by Washington, I mean Washington, like, D.C., because it thinks it's the Washington state. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> um, the Piscataw... I, I can't say most of these names. Let me see. Um, I'm looking at the indig the indigenous tribes of Washington, D.C. I'm looking on a website. The Piscatawa or the Piscataue. Most of these have like eight syllables, so I can't pronounce them. Maybe you could have like a symbol or something. Maybe it's going to be something dumb like the Red Hawks. Maybe like maybe that's the name, you know? Of the team, the new uh, the new Washington team. Uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, I, I can't pronounce most of these names, and I'm not going to try. The long and the short of it is, is that if you want a new team name, you have options for that new team name. So, I just thought that I would put that out there. You know, you have a lot of great options. You just you just got to be smart about it. You just gotta. Understand what you can and cannot do. And ask around. It's like, you know, Dan Snyder should be calling up people and be like, hey, you know, what can we do? You know? What team name can we do that's going to instill pride within our team fan base and make other people be like, wow, that's a cool name. Like, how many times do you really get to name your, your team? Not a lot. Like, I would love it if it was something as cool, if it was Native American or if, or if it was the Red Tails or... Don't name it something cliche and dumb like the Red Hawks. And I have a feeling that's what it's going to be. 
And by the way, if you're wondering why were um, the Tuskegee Airmen called the Red Tails, um, I think it's called. I think it was after the Red-tailed Hawk or or something like that. They called themselves the Red Tails because the um, the planes that they had they would paint red, probably um, probably because and the tails the planes on the the tails on the planes. Excuse me, they would paint them red. I don't know if it was after the Red Tails or um, just to symbolize something, but they painted them red. That's where you get the red tails. Apparently, there's also a red-tailed hawk, which I thought the red... I thought... I thought a red tail was a bird. Apparently not. But there's even a movie about the Tuskegee Airmen. It's called The Red Tails. There you go. So. Anyways. Let me type in what is a red tail. Hold on. I know that they're like, I think they were named after the re the, the red-tailed hawk. I thought it was a, I thought it was like a just a bird, like a normal bird, but uh, it's it's apparently named after the hawk. My bad. The red-tailed hawk. That's even cooler. You could say the red tails or the red-tailed hawk, the hawks, the red the red hawks or the red-tailed hawks. Like, this marketing is stupendously easy. Get it done. Nobody cares it's over that team name is done there's so many better team names there's so it's so easy this is a layup the red tails or native american tribe that's not freaking disrespectful to that tribe don't give them some dumbass name but like it's not that hard and have the consent of the of the tribe and be like hey we would like to name our football team after this tribe that's it like, come on, this isn't, this isn't very difficult. Jesus Christ. Sorry, I hit my arm on my desk. What else do I got to talk about today? I've been going for like two and a half hours. Uh. Oh yeah, let me play this final bit. And then we'll be out. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Where is it? Uh, is this a... Nope. Mm, where is it? I'm trying to find it. I have like so many tabs, man. Oh, it's this one, it's this one, it's this one. Then I got an ad for something else. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here it is. So I was watching this great documentary by, um, it wasn't even a documentary, it was just like a, a, web, a, a web series. It's called In the Current. It's for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're essentially talking about the acquisitions of both Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Chris Godwin is in it and he has this really really great quote in the interview here it is and I said to him like man I think this is when you'll really see who actually cares about their craft and who doesn't because it'll all show in the end that's it <laughs> that's the quote 
The reason why I wanted to play you that quote is I've been saying that for months. A lot of people, they say this is going to be the easiest season to win a championship. A lot of people. Like, you would be surprised at how many people have said that. And I'm starting to lean towards more no. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. I don't think it's just going to be like you go, you get in, you win, and that's it. And that's over with. I don't think it's that simple. I think it's a lot more complex than that. And the reason why I think it is is that if you could have been fucking off for the last couple of months. You could have been inside playing Warzone for the last couple of months and nobody could have gave two shits about you. Nobody would have blamed you because guess what? That's literally what everyone, everyone else is doing. That's the reality of the circumstance. That's the reality of the situation. A lot of the dudes, like, it's it's going to look like, oh my God, why are these teams beating this, like, beating the stuffing out of these other teams? Because the guy, it, it shows. There's a difference in just putting some stuff on Instagram, saying that you work and stuff like that, and actually putting in the effort, ladies and gentlemen. I gotta ask the question to some of these dudes that are young and that this could be your final year. I gotta ask Baker. Why aren't you training with Odell and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? I see Baker, not Baker, Odell... Working out with Cam. Why aren't you working out with, with ba not Baker, excuse me, but Odell? I see all these other dudes. And this, this isn't just targeted at a Baker Mayfield. This is targeted at Sam, Josh, Josh Allen, and um, any young quarterback that is not working. Why? Why are you not working? Why are you not on the football field throwing footballs to your wide receivers that are coming in this year? You see what happens when Tom is under pressure. He's like, you know what? We're in a pandemic. I'm still grinding. Dak Prescott, he's like, I'm, I'm in a pan we're in a pandemic. I'm still grinding. They get flack for it, but they don't care. They're like, dude. We got to work. We got a season coming up in the next couple of months. We got to work. Lamar's like, bro, I don't care. We're working. Russ is like, I don't care. We're working. There's a memo sent out like a couple weeks ago saying, hey, players, maybe don't go out. And the, you want to know what the players said? The best players, they said, we're still grinding. We got training camp in a couple of weeks. We got to see. We will play. We will practice. And we will do things as if the season is still going on. You're going to see a lot of dudes get exposed. A lot of dudes. Because they haven't had the time. Because either they've been spending their time wisely and saying to themselves, we're in a pandemic, we will get more stuff done. Or we're in a pandemic, we'll fuck around. It is that simple. It's that simple. Will Baker get some stuff done? I don't know. 
Will Sam Darnold, is he getting stuff done? Apparently with, with Jordan Palmer, not with his wide receivers. I don't know. The reality is... The reality is... Some dudes, they talk about it, but they really aren't about it. The reality is, most dudes, they just talk. And they're all talk. But they won't actually put in the work. But all this, once again, will come to a head during the regular season. During the postseason Because you're going to see the dudes That actually prepare That actually train That actually put in the work That actually care In the playoffs Not sitting around On their couch Playing Warzone Once again Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's podcast, the best video game and sports podcast on the entire internet. If you like this podcast, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Pretty much where you can find any podcast, you can find my podcast, 24's podcast. I thought I would play Shorty Snapping. Because I was listening to this song and I was singing along and I was like, ooh, I got to play this song in the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow I will be going over some video game news, some video game stuff. I got the entire Assassin's Creed gameplay, the Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the 30 minutes of gameplay. It leaked online. I got 30 minutes of it. We will be going over that because I just freaking blew my entire load and there's nothing else to talk about unless I just want to rehash stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, until tomorrow, I hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.